This episode is brought to you by Challengers Comics and Conversation. Go to challengerscomics.com and start the conversation now. Daniels Law LLC in Georgia. Visit dlawllc.com. Kerberos Productions. The minds behind the games enter the pit and kaiju a go-go. Search for Kerberos, K-E-R-B-E-R-O-S, on Steam, or go to kerberos-productions.com to check out their growing catalog of titles. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to The Crossroad for the week of June 13th, 2016. This week on the show, we have Alex Langley talking some psychology of Ghostbusters. It's a very interesting conversation that you are not going to want to miss. Then we're going to do a little bit of news because, you know, Ghostbusters Day happened. And, you know, with it came a few announcements, just one or two. Stillplayingwithtoys.net presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So great. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. I want to share pop culture with my kids. I feel like that's where I'm really going to shine. But in terms of like, all right, I'm in algebra. Like you're on your own, kid. <laughs> like see you later. Yeah. And the Dad's weird part watch is, TV. you can share pop culture, but you kind of got to temper it because they'll have their own tastes, yeah. and you you can kind of seed bits of it, and they'll probably pick just because a lot of kids too like it as a way to. They'll pick the stuff that they prefer more and use it as a way to get close to you but you can't count on them liking it all. Yeah, and you don't want to force it on them either because it's like, listen to my music, you're going to like my music, and then it becomes the opposite. They have the adverse uh, response to it, which is not good. Yeah, so far I feel pretty lucky because he he's... the, the, The nursery rhyme stuff went out the window pretty quick. He never really had a taste for it. He liked music a lot, but... And I mean, it's an artifact of the era we live in because we'd give him the phone to, you know... Here you go, Old McDonald, and he'd go flipping through, and pretty quickly it turned into <laughs> Lady Gaga, Britney. Yeah. Ah, don't, get me, don't, get me, don't get me wrong, I'm not a giant Gaga or Britney fan, but so far he seems to gravitate towards the stronger top 40 tracks, and I'm like, I can listen to this. Yeah, and, he, and he's a toddler, yeah. which means they'll want to listen to it repeatedly, and I'm like, <laughs> I can probably listen to it repeatedly. I can if I endure have to. it thirty or forty times. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, it's it's funny we're we're talking very introspectively, and it's a very introspective episode that's coming up here. Um, hey, welcome everybody, by the way, for joining us. Uh, but yeah, we have we have a, a little a little psychology lesson uh, for Chris and I that's coming up here. We have Alex Langley who's going to talk about the psychology of Ghostbusters here in the episode and. Very, very interesting conversation that we had with him, Chris. And I wanted to wanted to right. put that first. We're gonna we're gonna throw the format a little bit. We're gonna put Alex's interview up here first, and then we're gonna do a little news. But before we do, how was your Ghostbusters Day, man? We didn't get to talk about Ghostbusters Day, and here quiet. we are. It's was quiet. It's quiet. Really, I was frantically trying to keep up with everything. It was or was it quiet just by choice? Uh, sort of. Priorities. Yeah. I. <laughs> I'm, I'm heading down. Uh, you and I are probably going to cross paths next week. This is I'm, true. Yeah, you're coming, I'm coming down. down to LA for E3, the big entertainment, uh, electronic entertainment exposition. Yes, uh, it's in your neck of the woods as it usually is, and I'm coming down for that, which means I got stuff to take care of. Yeah, you got to get some so stuff lined up. Yeah, the, you know everything was kind of set up for. It's I kinda, I'm kind of happy where I'm at because if it was old proton charging where it was like everything has to be like a 
you know, eight paragraph feature or whatever, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's I, I was also glad that I wasn't doing that anymore because it was hard enough just to keep up with the tweets and retweeting things and seeing, oh, that featurette's out. Oh, my God, that featurette's out. And Yeah, so basically it was just a push of a button, right? Oof, like, yeah. Share, retweet, share, share retweet, retweet yeah. share, retweet. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, I feel my, my duty... Uh, for this show, you know, put, producing it uh, on a weekly basis is we try to cultivate all of the stuff and make sure that it's up to date and and even still trying to put together this show for you guys today, it was tough because there was a lot between even even last Monday when you listened to us, uh, there was a lot that happened leading up to Ghostbusters Day. So uh, on top of the like sharing and retweeting and liking and, and responding to people that were like, hey, did you see this? And yeah, absolutely. It was super cool. I'm also like frantically trying to put together our rundown and keep it trim and keep it slimmed down <laughs> so it's not a four-hour show. And well, you were running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Did you do anything to like, like, ritually mark the day? Or I did, I did, and we'll we'll talk about that in the news coming up. But I went to the Fathom event screening, which ended oh. up being a good respite at the end of the day to uh, you know to to sort of kind of go back to where it all began. But uh, yeah, we'll, well, we'll talk go. about that in the news. But that's that's what I did. And and did you, how about yourself? Did you mark the day anyway, even though it was kind of slow? Uh, well, I've been wearing my, my Nas hat for pretty much nice. <laughs> two weeks straight now. So that was, <laughs> that was my, yeah, that was, that was my flying the colors. Uh, ritually, no. I, what I actually, what I did end up doing is going back and reading a lot of uh, old uh, newspaper articles from 84 about the movie when it came out oh nice yeah a lot of people are doing those retrospective articles with uh quotes and and interviews that they had done back when the movie initially came out entertainment tonight posted up their premiere imagery again which was great yeah but uh, and, yeah. uh well and my one you know unique nod on the social medias was uh some of the old uh, movie listings from 84 because that's how yeah. i remember it right everything was in the those fancy graphic uh, these days everything's very boxy, right? Like if you go to the entertain, if you go to the entertainment section at all, okay, kids, there's this thing called trees. They get turned into paper. <laughs> That's how you used to find out what and time the movie was playing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but in the old days, the theaters kind of went above and beyond. They wanted to stand out and the papers were fine with that. They didn't need it to be quite so clean. So they'd have like, you know, fancy graphic borders or be reminiscent of drive-in, you know, uh, uh, neon drive-in signs and stuff like that, and they'd stack yeah. them, right? Like they'd they they'd stack the graphics for you know uh, if it was a drive-in, what four movies were playing on the weekend, or try to get uh, your attention. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's that was that was me. That's when I saw it, right? So I that 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 was the yeah, just waiting in nostalgia a little bit and really enjoying the two dollar Tuesday. Like, oh my god. <laughs> if only, if only. Holy uh, crap. But it sounds like you and I were kind of on, on, on the same wavelength because I was in that same that same boat of where my first uh, Ghostbusters experience came from. My my first Ghostbusters day was not on June eighth because I didn't see it on June eighth, nineteen eighty four, like all the cool I, kids. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I posted up a picture of the VHS box that I had recorded the Thursday night at the movies too. Uh, that which I, was fantastic. Oh, I laughed you. my ass off looking at it. It's <laughs> you like, know uh, I had to decorate the box somehow, and of course I was you know you're, by you my know you're an 80s, six. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you know you're an eighties kid if you have a beat up, heavily viewed VHS copy of your favorite movie somewhere. Yep, and and with the sticker book uh, stickers in the back, you know, like yep. the little square uh, book fair stickers. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what I did. But well, um, for you and me, I don't know that I really needed to celebrate because, frankly, you and I have 
well, since the new movie got announced, it's been... Boy, every day has been day Ghostbusters in, day. day. Yeah. And then you and I are fast approaching one year, because didn't we start in... We did. We're, we're almost July? at our one-year anniversary here. We started July of last year, so, um, so and we're almost 100 shows in, which I can't believe either. I, it's just unbelievable. So, you know, between that and our websites, you and I kind of internalize this stuff every day. So, frankly, what it, it always, <laughs> I was kind of like people were gonna. I knew somebody was gonna ask, "What'd you do for Ghostbusters Day?" And I always, I always kept thinking to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it's like, "It's Halloween. Are we gonna go out and fight ghosts?" It's like, no, vampires don't go out on Halloween. Like, <laughs> it's just they just see it as gauche. You know, it's like it's Ghostbusters yeah. Day. What did you do? I was like, nothing. Do you know Ghostbusters, really? Yeah. I... <laughs> Like, I co-host a podcast and I have a fan side. Every day is Ghostbusters Every Day. Every day is Come Ghostbusters on. Day. Yeah. Just like the people. Every day is Halloween. Every day is Halloween. Yeah. But, uh, well, so, uh, Alex Langley we've got coming up here. And, uh, let's, Correction. let's. Alex Langley and a whole uh, alphabet soup after it. Oh, yeah. And a whole alphabet soup. So, here's what we're going to do. Alex Langley is coming up next. Uh, and then join us after that for the news. So, right now is where you would normally hear the news bug. But you're going to hear a little something different. Here we go. <laughs> Alice, I'm going to ask you a couple of standard questions, okay? Do you believe in UFOs, astral projections, mental telepathy, ESP, clairvoyance, spirit photography, telekinetic movement, full trance mediums, the Loch Ness Monster, and the theory of Atlantis? What are you supposed to do, some kind of a cosmonaut? What has that got to do with it? Back off. I'm a scientist. All right, we are so excited to be talking to Alex Langley uh, today. He has been gracious enough to sit down with Chris and I. We're going to sit down on the couch here and, uh, and and talk a little psychology, talk a, a little bit about what's making people tick nowadays, because I have a feeling uh, you, our listeners, much like myself and Chris are, we're kind of wondering what everybody's thinking nowadays. There's a lot of questionable things happening. And uh, why, why is the world gone mad? Why, why is everybody gone completely ridiculous? So, uh, welcome to the Crossroad, Alex. We're so glad to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. So, uh, for for people that aren't familiar with uh, your books and and all of the awesome panels that you've been doing at like WonderCon and Comic Con, maybe just tell tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Uh, who who are you, and what makes you tick? Um, so my name is Alex Langley. I am a writer and a psychology professor. Um, I am the author of a number of books, such as the Geek Handbook, which is kind of a humorous daily living guide to living life the geeky way. Uh, Geek Handbook 2, Geek Lust, which is about all of the great passions we geeks have. Uh, I'm the author of a graphic novel called Kill the Freshman, and uh, this October... I have another book coming out called The 100 Greatest Graphic Novels, where I and my partner in pr- crime, Katrina Hill, a.k.a. at Action Chick, uh, went through and listed the 100 greatest graphic novels. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, wow. In addition to that, I also have contributed to a number of pop culture psychology books, such as the uh, Star Wars and Psychology, Dark Side of the Mind, and uh, Captain America... And Iron Man Psychology, Freedom, Security, Psychology. Oh, man. Well, we'll we'll have to talk about that one offline uh, afterwards, too, because there's a lot going on with Captain America that I'm <laughs> I'm very curious yeah. about your take on. Now, um, now if, if I can quickly just uh, let's make this uh, uh, officially, officially academic, because my fear is everybody heard that, and as awesome as it is, somebody went, fluffy. So, uh, Alex, when you uh, studied... 
Mm-hmm. What 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 was your focus in psychology? You came out the other end with with all the bona fides. What was your what was your focus? I, I have a degree in experimental psychology, and but my focus more broadly is on social psychology. So the the interaction of human beings uh, in groups, how group dynamics affect our individual behaviors. Mm. And that kind of goes hand in hand with experimental psychology, doesn't it? Experimental psychology is really geared towards let's do this thing and see how people react. And yeah, it, it very often is. Yeah. Right. Okay. See, official, academic. Uh, are you are you a parapsychologist as well? Oh no, no. Unfortunately, the <laughs> University of North Texas did not offer credentials in parapsychology. Yeah, so that's that's quite all right. That's quite all right. <laughs> um, well, so Alex, I thought we would kind of start just because while we have you, I really want to talk a, a little in universe, and then I also want to talk about the dynamic, the interactions of the groups of fans that's currently happening right now. But um, you know that. We would be remiss to have you on the show and not ask you about the trademark slogan, slogan, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. You know, these, these Ghostbusters, they're much like firefighters and, and uh, police officers. They're running into danger rather than away from it. And, you know, what, what does it take in order to, to have that, that psyche, to have that ability to be able to uh, be running towards something that everybody should be fleeing from? Well, um, it, it depends on your your motivation for doing it. I mean, there's really, we have two kind of broad interpretations we can take with I Ain't Afraid No Ghost. The first one, as you've mentioned, the the firefighters analogy, you know, um, the Ghostbusters themselves have to have a generally a kind of stalwart core to them. Even Peter, who is, you know, definitely the least altruistic of them, what he's doing is still very heroic. He's doing it for you know, seemingly sleazy cop-out reasons, but uh, ultimately what he's doing is something that is very difficult, that could potentially get him killed, and very likely will get him slimed. Um, Now, the other interpretation we can take to that is that the reason they like that tagline, I ain't afraid no ghost, is because if you really think about it, ultimately while the ghosts in the world of Ghostbusters are very annoying, they are not generally all that dangerous. You know, they they pop up, they annoy the hell out of people, slimery to everybody's hot dogs, Vigos <laughs> going around possessing people, you've got ghosts living inside people's fridges, just all kinds of stuff. But ultimately, they don't do that much damage. So in, if you take that interpretation, it makes the Ghostbusters almost more like um, extremely educated exterminators, in which case... The I ain't afraid of no ghosts would be because there's not really much of anything to be afraid of with these particular ghosts. Yeah, it's like pest control more than anything. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and what what part do like having the tools, having these proton packs that they've designed, having these traps, all of this equipment? Uh, how does that play into to that dynamic and and even humor? I mean, you mentioned Peter Venkman. He he kind of has a casual "I'm in it for the women" attitude towards things. Does that help disarm mm-hmm. them a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, humor, just over and over we see in psychology, humor is such an incredibly critical element of our lives, particularly for people who live stressful lives. Uh, humor, just laughter in general, it, it increases our health, it increases our mental well-being, it helps us fight off disease, it helps us, uh, you know, just stay not as stressed out. So for people who are doing dangerous and unusual stuff like the Ghostbusters would be doing, keeping a good sense of humor about it 
would be a key element to keeping themselves healthy and keep them going because otherwise they're probably going to experience the kind of burnout that other people in high stress jobs are very prone to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and also the, I mean the equipment as well is there is it like a security blanket as well knowing that they've invented these things that have kind of not made them so. immune to it, but at the very least, for Ray and Egon, I don't know about you know Peter and Winston. They they didn't really have as much of a hand in building that stuff, so I don't I don't know how much that it would make them feel better. But I think for Egon and uh, Ray, absolutely it would. Yeah. What what kind of um, what am I trying to get to here? What what kind of risks are are there in that when somebody has a tool like that, uh, all of a sudden every problem becomes a zap it situation like is it really easy to fall into that mindset i mean this is obviously something that even like the military and the police have to be trained to deal with like not when not to escalate etc right yeah um that that could definitely be a trap that the ghostbusters would fall into because they i mean generally speaking they have one fairly straightforward method of dealing with these problems but you know if we look at more broadly the way that a lot of ghosts appear in other forms of media uh, often, you know, while I guess technically you could use a proton pack on this ghost of a grieving widow, you could also talk to the ghost of the grieving widow and help her come to peace so that she can just sort of peacefully, you know, disapparate rather than you having to trap her using the packs and whatnot. So they, I think, I, I think it, it could be a potential pratfall for them to just fall back on. Well, let's just zap it and go home. I mean, Jeopardy's going to be on at five. I really want to get out of here. <laughs> So Ghostbusters International needs their HR needs to write up some sort of ghost sensitivity training weekend. I think or? so. Yeah, I think that would probably help them out a lot. <laughs> yeah, for a protocol for when to shoot and when to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, uh, Chris, do you have anything just in world before we move on to to the f- fan interaction uh, that you want to pick Alex's brain about while we have him? Um, I guess kind of, and this is more of a social thing, like the movie, they're heroes, so it makes a lot of sense that there's a lot of gawkers and crowds and stuff like that. If a building was basically a a boiling cauldron of dimensional portal, would we really expect people to like get underneath it? Especially after it started dropping rock, because those people never went away. They all just sort of hung out under the building. Yeah, crowds, (laughs) crowds gathering to the end of the world. That's always been something that Chris and I have been kind of tickled by. Is that yeah, the the world is ending. Here's the hellhole that's opened up in the earth where it's happening. And what are all these people doing? Why are they there? Why are they running away? There is no situation so dangerous that there aren't some people who are going to stand around and gawk (laughs) at it. Especially (laughs) now, if you had Ghostbusters like now, I, I would hope in the very in the new movie they probably have everybody with their phones out recording what's happening because if they'd had you know cell phones with cameras in 1984 i'm sure that crowd would have been there recording absolutely <laughs> everything uh yeah actually we saw that in the the new trailer didn't we Troy? yeah in the new trailer it's funny you bring that up that yeah there's there's something happening and of course they're all taking selfies it's just the ah, selfie culture now yep. yeah yep. A, a selfie stick comes into play <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of about it. I mean, um, everybody kind of, well, Dan Aykroyd described them as janitors, but I always kind of wanted to dig in a little bit about, uh, I mean, they are running into, you know, not only danger, but danger that people hadn't prior to the movie, uh, in the, the universe of the movie, hadn't really wrapped their head around. Like, I mean, all of us have kind of a vague concept of war. You know, we're not there, but we have a kind of vague 
understanding of soldiers going off to a fight or firemen running into a building or police. None of us sit around and go, and I can kind of understand what it's like to see a ghost, right? So um, it it, it seemed then to, to call them just janitors was kind of... Kind of overshadowing the fact that they really had to, you know, if you want to get it all Lovecraftian, they really had to figure out their sanity points real quick. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We're, and and had we're to be, talking, that's, that's nerd talk, Troy. We're talking. That's, uh, that's, that's okay. I'll let you guys I'll go. I'll fill you in that's later. totally okay. fine. Love, Lovecraft. <laughs> he was a writer, right? Something like that. <laughs> he, he was. Yeah. He wrote a couple of things. <laughs> he wrote a couple of things. Well, so Alex, uh, I, I mean, I know because same thing, we could talk about the in-universe stuff quite a bit, but I really wanted to talk to you about fans and interaction because we've really noticed a polarization with mm-hmm. the new movie um, and, and fandom in general. You know, you mentioned Captain America. Be, um, immediately things are polarizing people and, and people are finding each other on other ends of an, of an argument. And so I kind of wanted to get your take first off on on what you've perceived as sort of the online response to the new film and especially if you've been monitoring social media you know how is it displaying human behavior at this point in time um it's it has largely been i would say a dismaying display of human behavior hmm. i mean you know with this with this new ghostbusters there 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 have been a lot of remakes and reboots, and prequels, and sequels, and interquels, and, you know, whatever you would want to qualify X-Men Days of Future Past as. Yeah. There's been yeah. lots and lots of movies like that in Hollywood. Um, but few, in fact, I can't think of any having ever garnered such a vitriolic reaction from a fan base like this before. Rather than diving into the deep end, if we could step back a bit and maybe kind of stare a bit at the concept of, a pic- particularly the way it is now, because there is a very particular flavor of nostalgia. Yes. Uh, yeah. Pop culture and our nostalgia. So maybe we can talk a little bit about why it is that, like I've often talked about how there is a pattern that's very easy to see uh, when you talk to people that between the ages of eight and, you know, 10 or so, they all saw a movie and it set their brains on fire and for a lot of people it was star wars and for a few of us it was ghostbusters and i talked to older fans and for them they were you know that that second wave of the universal monsters being shown on television so for them that's their nostalgia comfort blanket or something like that so can we can you maybe talk a little bit about why that is and what we're getting out of it and what we're looking for because that then kind of i think leads into our initial knee-jerk reaction to when when somebody comes along and wants to touch it <laughs> okay um yeah so uh i mean nostalgia is it's such a wonderfully double-edged thing because um you know we we can look back on these things so fondly and then, like you said i i like that you brought up that that age range that kind of eight to ten maybe like eight to twelve years old um that i think that's like the key like fanboy, fangirl age, like whatever it is that you are most into in that age, it kind of like sears into your brain. Because um, I know, for like for me, for example, Final Fantasy VII was like a real keystone because that came out right when I was twelve and just really burned its way into my psyche. Um, and I still look back on it very fondly. Um, nostalgia and for stories in particular, they they can do a great job of connecting people. Uh, across time, across cultures. Um, plus, they 
they help us remember really good times. Sometimes if we're in a bad mood, we can think back nostalgically on these different things and it will lift our spirits. Um, and so all of that is great. Um, what we're seeing right now is this odd tendency towards what I've seen referred to as uh, weaponized nostalgia, hmm. where we have you know a lot of films or TV shows that are designed to very calculatingly and soullessly appeal to nostalgia without being made with that same level of love that somebody who uh, feels that nostalgia would feel, you know? Oh, that's interesting. So, so the weaponized nostalgia on the part of the people that are creating the content rather than those that are sort of embracing it as something that they had in their childhood or that they're claiming ownership of, the weaponized is on, on the other end? Yes, exactly. You know, uh, it's the, the people who go, well, this thing was popular and these elements kind of will remind people of it. And so these are the elements we should make sure to include in whatever new hmm. version of it that we're trying to do. Uh, if I can ask, I know people are listening to this and one half has gone, yeah, like the new Ghostbusters. And the other half has gone, yeah, but not like the new Ghostbusters. Is there any other example that we could, you can kind of um, point out? The example that, that I am drawn to is Jurassic World. That's the one that comes to my mind. And uh, I know a lot of people enjoy Jurassic World and it's great. Anytime anybody can enjoy any kind of a movie or something, that's great. I did not like Jurassic World. I thought that... It felt like a very just kind of bland and corporate retread of a lot of the greatest mm. beats of the original Jurassic Park. And that it there were a lot of missteps with it. I mean, the original Jurassic Park films had all these great, you know, women who were competent and scientists. And then this one, you've got, you know, um, your leading lady running around in heels and and just kind of being distressed. And the whole story is telling her that you know, she should be a mom instead of trying to run this park. Um, and then it's sort of just hitting these nostalgic beats without feeling like it meant them all mm. the time. So that Jurassic World's kind of my go-to. And, you know, other people have enjoyed it. They didn't feel the same way about it. And again, I say, that's great. Well, do you think, Alex, that that inspires people to to have these gut reactions that they're having because they they look back and they go, yeah, Jurassic World was this weaponized nostalgia. Um, Gem and the Holograms was this weaponized nostalgia. Uh, even RoboCop, you know, the the examples that are constantly thrown in Chris in my face is, well, look right. at these reboots that didn't work. Um, right. But uh, do you think that because people have been burned so many times that they immediately go to that place of, of self-defense or or even to sort of have a negative opinion towards it as a defense mechanism, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I think that does happen uh, sometimes. I mean, and also we're in such an interesting time when it comes to the culture of, you know, nerd things and fandom in general um, because so many things that used to be esoteric interests have now spread to the mainstream. So also there's a sense of encroachment for a lot of people who were fans of these things because they, to them, they're like, this thing used to be mine and it mm. used to be something that I shared with other people who I knew cared as much about it as I do. But now you've got these corporate people in Hollywood who are just deciding that they just want to make a buck off of my good feelings. You know? Yeah, punk, punk rock mentality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can we point a finger then at, as an example then of what you described <clears throat> and and Troy, you brought up punk rock. There's a good example, right? Like that used to be a, a fairly common phenomena in the 
the seventies and eighties where people were like, man, I was into these guys before you were sort of thing, but there was no social media and people either, I don't know, went through the stages of grief and decided, well, I'll just keep what I like about it. Cause, or they went, or I'll go find a new thing because there was no third option, which is I'm going to shout at 10,000 people at once. <laughs> yeah. And 140 characters or less, I'm going to yeah. shout at the world. So yeah. is, can we, can we, is it fair to blame social media that it just, it opened up this option that it's not a terribly healthy one, frankly, but, uh, I think, I think it's fair to point a lot of the blame at social media. Absolutely. Because I mean, the internet in general gives people an avenue for screaming and it gives them <laughs> This level of anonymity that makes them feel powerful enough that they go, I don't like what this person said, so I'm going to tell them that I hope they die of cancer. You know, and it's like, that's not, who who taught you that that was the appropriate response? So you didn't like this new song somebody makes, that doesn't mean you should tell them they should die of cancer. That's, that is wrong. If you were a kindergartner, you would have to sit in time out for doing that. <laughs> and you would never say that face to face with the person. I mean, in theory, yeah, exactly. you would never say that. It's like you're being you're in the car and you're yelling at somebody that cut you off. You would never say that face to face with them. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. Well, and what I mean, what aspects of 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 human behavior do you see are are enhanced or even or encouraged with with social media? Because there are benefits to social media as well. I mean, the the human interaction in these these communities are growing exponentially. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what advantages does social media have as well? I mean, they, social media can help people find connections that they previously would not have been able to. For example, <clears throat> uh, my dad, has he's always had very nerdy interests, uh, much like I did. But he grew up in a small town in Arkansas where there weren't really any of their nerd kids around. And so he spent a lot of time sort of in solitude, isolated with these interests that he had that he didn't have anybody to share it with. But if he had been a kid growing up today, he would be able to go online and go, okay, I'm not weird for liking these things. Lots of other people like this stuff too. And he'd be able to find a connection over those topics that way. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's the whole reason that the comic conventions became a thing, right? The people mm-hmm. in the basement uh, gathered together and now it's just one, one huge basement at a hotel. Uh, Is it, is it then that <laughs> I'm a dad, so this will be in dad terms? Uh, it, is it is it then we're kind of missing a component where people because they're 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 able to and and, and it's good it's good that people can say I'm not alone I I'm not weird uh, for liking Pokemon or whatever it is because there are tens of thousands of other people out there. Um, all that is good. Do you think though we're kind of missing the because they never had that bit where they went, man, it feels miserable to be alone and an outcast with this thing. Because that's now been wiped away, there's a kind of an empathic lesson missing then that they're happy to turn on people to make them feel miserable. Or mm. does it, I, I, That wasn't very well put. I was just going to say, you know, your, your point was well put. I, I see what you're getting at. Um, the, the idea that because people are able to find this connection online that it's reducing their empathy skills essentially because they're used to this electronic interaction that 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 is a question that we are constantly batting about in all the social sciences wondering what long-term effects on social interactions we're going to see from the internet because i mean the internet in the state it's currently in and its level of popularity is still relatively nascent i mean we the internet has only been a 
powerful force for, you know, between the last couple of decades. So right. the long-term effects it has on people, depending on what age they were, when the internet became big, and so on, uh, that's something that we're going to, we'd have to look at over mm. time to see what yeah. happens. But it'll be very interesting to see it, how it develops. My my pet peeve is that I found that some of the best researchers, Googlers online, are people that at one point had to use a card catalog, and the worst Googlers online are the people who've never seen a card catalog. Never had to figure out search terminology. Yeah. Um, well, so to that point, Alex, I'm I'm curious because the especially on social media, you look at Twitter and when the Oscars are on, everybody's live snarking the Oscars. And when a TV show comes out, everybody wants to be the first one to hate it and to have something critical to say about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and Craig Ferguson was recently on the Nerdist podcast and he said something I thought was really interesting that he sees all of these late night talk show hosts. And in their first couple weeks of being on the air, everybody wants to hate them. They want to say that they're not funny. They want to be that that guy sucks, that his monologue is terrible, that his jokes are flat Everybody, they feel like the negative opinion is the smarter, higher ground to be taking. And it seems that way on the internet as well, um, that, you know, the smarter opinion is always the negative or the more critical opinion. Um, I mean, what, what is it that drives a person to feel that way? Why do they, why do they feel that if I have the negative opinion or, or a critical opinion that it might be more important or, or be in, in higher priority than, than somebody else? Yeah, why isn't there any value in being an Ebert where you have a constructive criticism as opposed to a slam? Right, or or someone who just says, you know, uh, I liked it. It had its problems, but I enjoyed it. You know, that's that's not something that you'll see very often on the internet. Um, it's it's interesting that that tendency towards negativity that you do see people do. I think part of it is because it may feel like the safer response. It feels safe to say, oh, that sucked. I didn't like it because that, that comes off as the, the cooler response because if you say you enjoyed something, that's that's more earnest because it's saying that there's something about me that connected with this thing. So if other people say it's stupid, then by proxy, that feels like they're saying you're stupid. But if you dislike something that other people are saying that they liked, you're by proxy saying that they're stupid in a sense. Yeah. Um, so it makes people feel a lot safer to say they don't like it than they did. And also, you know, I think in general people have a tendency to see optimism um, as blind optimism. And they see it as the more ignorant choice when, generally speaking, optimism is the healthier choice hmm. and the smarter choice. People who are optimistic live longer they uh, are better able to resist chronic disease. Um, and that doesn't mean that someone is stupid, you know, but if an optimistic person is told that they have cancer, they'll probably resist it better than somebody who is a complete sourpuss. Yeah. Um, yeah a, a pessimist might sort of give into it and say, well, I give up, I'm done. That kind yeah, of exactly. interesting. And well, so, but vice versa then, uh, because we've actually seen a, a big uptick in social media lately of, the people with the optimistic or positive uh, attitude toward it, <laughs> they're fighting back, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and they're they're feeling like they have the the upper hand and they have the more, um, that they have the better intelligent uh, position on things. Why why then do they see it, it, it from that point of view? Well, I in their case, it's probably because it is harder to to come up with optimistic responses. It it's easy for someone to be 
negative all day long. You know, for somebody to just sit around and piss and moan and say, this sucks, this sucks, I hate all of this. But for somebody to stay optimistic all day long is a much more difficult feat. Yeah. Um, so it can feel more accomplished to try to search for the good in the world. And also, it's just more difficult to find good things than it is to find bad things. I mean, the news, since its inception, has tended towards um, promoting, you know, negative information over positive information because that's the the salacious stuff that grabs our attention. Uh, human beings have a tendency towards what's called a negativity bias to where negative information is more attention-grabbing to us and yeah. it tends to resonate better with us and stick in our memories. Oh, and that's so, that's interesting. Yeah, and so because of that, I think that the the pro-optimistic people, you're you know, upworthy and buzzworthy and everybody worthy, you know, th- those sort of things, like, uh, it takes more work to to find the good, even though there's plenty of it out there. It's just a lot easier to find the bad. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's it's something that the geek and nerd culture has dealt with since the beginnings of time, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> look, at, look at comic book guy on The Simpsons, uh, you know, it, the, the negative opinion always seems to be the most vocal, but maybe social media is just uh, enhancing or, or boosting that signal a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, so I wanted to, there were a few things about nostalgia and childhood that I wanted to touch on that we, we didn't uh, get to. So if, if, if you don't mind, I want to go back to that. Sure. Um, the... <laughs> the one that Chris and I seem to hear a lot and a lot of people seem to be vocal about um, in regards to Star Wars, Ghostbusters, all sorts of, of fandoms, um, you are ruining my childhood. And this <laughs> is something that, uh, you know, Chris and I kind of laugh at like, well, then your childhood sucked because you're like a 40 year old man now. I don't understand what's happening. Um, right. Wh- uh, what is it? Is it the that sense of nostalgia is it that weaponized nostalgia that's making them feel like their eight-year-old self is under attack or why what gives them that perception that their childhoods are in danger when they're an adult person that's that's something that we we've seen as a reaction from the nerd crowd for at least 20 years uh i mean when the star wars prequels came out the reaction to them was largely negative from the nerd crowds people went to see them but People didn't like them, right? Um, and I know that like the Star Wars community in general had a very negative reaction to it. Uh, there's some Star Wars band that has a song called "George Lucas Raped My Childhood" because of the prequels. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it, that's that reaction is a long-standing thing. And the the thing that I've always found sort of perplexing about that is like, okay, you guys, so if if you don't like this new thing, perfectly fine. The original thing, still there. All your great feelings that you had from the original thing, they still exist. Yeah. You can go watch that original movie or read the original comic or play the game again. And obviously, it's not going to be exactly the same as it was when you saw it the first time. But just because there was some new thing that is connected to it that you don't like, that doesn't have to tarnish those memories unless you're sort of making it tarnish those memories. Oh, that's interesting. It's- is there anything that maybe kind of indicates that people who see stuff like this and go, huh, okay, they're uh, warm, fuzzy to something, say, Ghostbusters in this case, uh, was just a very general 
that was a really happy day. They had a, a fairly generally happy childhood, and that was a high point, and that's their nostalgic attachment to it. Whereas perhaps the people who are like, you've ruined my childhood, they had other negative aspects to their childhood, and that wasn't just a, a particularly good day. That was a safe haven that they found. Right, that was all, all they had. Yeah, I mean, I it, sounds, it, sounds, it, it sounds very, I only took you know, first-year psychology of me, but I, I'm just kind of wondering if maybe that, that might not be it. Now that, I mean, that's, that's an interesting perspective. With um, fandoms and nerd culture in general, um, a lot of that does stem back to, like what I was talking about earlier, that, that feeling of isolation. And so for a lot of people who have been, you know, fans of these more obscure things, um, I could see them potentially feeling attacked when they see other people trying to misuse them because the connection there is so personal for them. So that, that makes sense. Mm. It's just something that I think people at large need to try to learn to pull themselves away from. Take a breath, step back, realize your good feelings are still there. It's all going to be okay. <laughs> well, and it feels like this is a, a more recent uh, phenomenon in the sense that, like, it, as, as I sit here talking to you, I have uh, a Millennium Falcon Kenner uh, playset behind me, and I've got all of these tchotchkes and toys and stuff that... You know, my adolescence is being encouraged and, you know, I'm almost 40. So, like, right. what, <laughs> you know, are there benefits to this, this newfound, we can hold on to that nostalgia, we can hold on to our childhoods as long as humanly possible, where it, my grandfather looks at me and is like, why are you buying toys, kid? That's stupid. You know, like, well, is, is it okay to stay in Never Never Land? Yeah. Is, are there benefits to that and are there negative aspects to that? I absolutely think that, I mean, there, you know, there are some negative aspects to that when you have people who go, well, I could pay my rent or I could get this $800 Gurren Lagan desk figure that I can put <laughs> on my desk. Like, no, but maybe pay your rent first, you know, that's. That was, that was a very specific example, Alex. I just want to, I just want to <laughs> I say. Know. I, I'm glad you pointed out. I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to pull something kind of random. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think that it is, um. Very healthy. I mean, one of the best examples of that that I can think of is Stan Lee. The man is over 4,000 years old, and yet <laughs> he doesn't look a day over 400. And that is because he has kept his mind so entrenched in this fantastic world that he had a large part in creating. Um, so in a sense, like the, the sort of things that traditionally were thought to be childish and needed to put, be put away, he said, no thanks. He, he stayed happy and young and active, and he is a shining example of how to age gracefully and happily. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is a, a slight aside, but I wanted to kind of ask your opinion then on, because you brought up Stan Lee and keeping his, you know, his mind in this fantasy superhero world. And it's, you know, there's a lot of books uh, that, you know, generally agree that the attraction to... Um, you know, uh, superheroes, for example, is, uh, that there's, well, it's a lot, it, it's a lot to offer a kid. It's, it's a, a, a power when, when you're young and quite honestly feel powerless a lot of the time. Uh, there's ideals that are often hard to, 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 you know, the, it's the hard path to be the hero, but these guys make it look easy and reinforce that it's the right thing to do and all these sort of things. What is it about four guys who, got doctorates and decided to go fight ghosts without 
superpowers and because it did you know impact a large number of people in roughly the same way but there's something i mean they're kind of unique they don't don't have a special power other than you know they're they're clever guys and uh, you know well i don't know the, the, technically they're science heroes so i guess we could go why did granddad like you know doc savage or whatever but mm-hmm. um well even doc savage was technically a superhero in his own way so what is it about these guys that are just average joes who we actually see run around screaming scared half the time it's not yeah. really <laughs> superman stuff right well i mean it, it is a very a human level of identification we look at the ghostbusters and we think that if we apply ourselves, you know, at least somewhat, we could be a Ghostbuster out there doing good, helping people. I mean, I don't know how the hell Peter Venkman made it through graduate school enough to get degrees in psychology and parapsychology. But Egon. Egon, that's it. Yep. Coattails. He stopped yeah. Egon from drilling a hole in his head. Egon helped him with his homework. They, they just had an exchange going. Uh, but, you know, we, we look at them and think that they got there through cleverness and sheer determination um and it's it's the same reason that i think people are so fascinated by batman we look at batman and think he's just a guy in a suit you could take away the money you could take away the great suit he's still batman because of his sheer determination to go out and help people so I think that that element is what really appeals to people. The question, Troy, is can you and I write the academic article on the codependent relationship between the three Ghostbusters before <laughs> Alex does? <laughs> yeah, we'll race you to it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I mean, that, that brings up something too that I want to talk to you about is, you know, can, can we write this before somebody else? I feel like that, uh, Devin Faraci's article, I don't know if you saw it where he talked about, um, you know, nerd culture now, where if Kathy Bates's character from misery existed in the social media age, you know, how, how would she be reacting? How would she be talking about all of these properties that are so beloved that she wants to see go in a different direction? Um, you know, we have a certain sense of ownership over this. We have a certain way because we're in, it's in our heads and we're imagining all of the ways that Star Wars could go or Ghostbusters could go. Um, when it doesn't go our way, why do we react in, in, I mean, I say we, but why do some people react in a way that's like, well, that's not what I wanted, so I hate it. You know, why Why is there that mentality? Right, yeah. I, I actually, I'm familiar with the article you talked about and it raised some good and interesting points i also thought it kind of like the uh onion av club article that was discussing the same topic they they missed some of the point because i they were falsely conflating you know uh fans who were getting far too outraged over the new ghostbusters um with this you know fans who would like to see elsa have a girlfriend in frozen 2 because what we're looking at are fans who I mean, and I'm not speaking for everybody who doesn't like the new Ghostbusters, but there's a large contingency of fans who ultimately don't like it because it's girls, and that that is the what feels threatening to them because it is most likely a lot of white dudes who are used to almost all media being white dudes, and so it's almost all catered to them. Yeah, and when something doesn't cater to them, it can feel threatening. Um, but, you know, and then the, the, the Frozen campaign to, you know, have Elsa have a girlfriend, that is the opposite. That is a group that says, hey, you know, we are underrepresented in pop culture and we would like to see more representations of people like us uh, in stories. Yeah. Um, so we have two very different kinds of motivations. One is a group saying, this is for me. 
other people don't get to play, or if they do get to play, they have to follow the exact rules I've set. And there's another group who says, you know, let's change the rules to try to broaden them to include more people. Oh, that's a, so it's it's the people that are fighting back against that weaponized nostalgia versus people that are fighting a a, a minority or, or somebody that's not representative. Right. That's, yeah, if, you can't clump, someone, you can't put them together. If someone says, you know, I'm tired of reboots, and so I probably won't go see the new Ghostbusters unless it turns out really great. That's you know that's absolutely fine. But like, for example. Um, the angry video game nerd James Rolfe, who I've enjoyed his videos for years of him yeah. uh, making fun of terrible video games. But he recently released a video where he just flat out said that he was not going to see the new Ghostbusters. And he talks about why, and he kind of touches on the weaponized nostalgia points. But at no point in that video does he ever seem to allow for the idea that you know the new Ghostbusters would be really good. It's got a lot of funny people in it. It's got a great director. Who knows? Because yeah. the movie's not out yet. Yes, that first trailer was a bad trailer. There are very few people who are going to defend that trailer. But I don't think it was a bad enough of a trailer to have gotten the 800,000 or million dislikes that it got on YouTube. Um, and while some of those dislikes, again, are people fighting against what they feel like is weaponized nostalgia, some of those dislikes are coming from boys clubs trying to keep it a boys club. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's interesting because, the, yeah, the angry video game nerd, uh, that video, Chris and I have only touched on it that we thought it was funny that he spent six minutes reviewing a movie that he said he wasn't going to review, which we thought was, <laughs> <laughs> was yeah. really interesting. But um, but no, that's, that, that's, that's interesting that that sort of falls into the weaponized uh, nostalgia that you were talking about because he does bring up those points. He says, look, Ghostbusters means the world to me. And this is not what I wanted. They're just trying to cash in on the logo and the themes and all of the intellectual property. Um, but you're, it's, you're right. He doesn't leave room for that optimism that maybe it was made with the same level of care. Exactly. Uh, that it's not you know, weaponized nostalgia. Maybe it was made by people who also really enjoyed the original Ghostbusters. That's a distinct possibility. Yeah. But, I mean, the movie's not out yet, so we don't know how it is. There have been plenty of... Other films that I've gone, no, I'm, I'm not going to go see that. I, you know, I did not go see most of the Transformers movies because those, they had some elements that were kind of weaponized nostalgia. And also, generally, they just weren't particularly good movies. Yeah. Um, but that's why I didn't see them. But I definitely saw the first one, even though, you know, it was Michael Bay, who's known a lot more for explosions than he is for thoughtful exploration of <laughs> the sentient arti artificial intelligences. Uh, engaging in combat like yeah. that you know that's what we could have had with the first transformers but instead we got a lot of explosions and cgi but i went and saw it because you know you got to give it a yeah, chance it was a transformers movie absolutely you got to give it yeah. a try sure um, or at the very least just wait and see what other people's opinion of it is you know find some people you trust who are going to see it see what they think of it yeah when when you didn't go to see Transformers two, three, and four, did you hold a public press conference to tell everybody that you were not going to go see those three? <laughs> I, did not, I held a private press conference <laughs> for my cat. Uh, was largely uninterested in what yeah. I had to say. Cat's like, whatever, man. Where's my food? Yeah. yeah. On average, how many times a day did you tell Michael Bay he should go away and die? I, you know, oddly enough, I not once did I have to tell him that. <laughs> Uh, and so, okay, so that that's another question too. I I promised you forty five minutes. We're hitting forty five minutes, but I just I could talk to you all night. Uh, sure. The the people on the receiving end of this, you know, that mm -hmm. are 
the Paul Feigs, the Katie Dippolds that are getting these tweets that say, I hope you die in a fire for what you've done. Um, right. What is the normal reactionary response that they ha- <clears throat> that they have? Excuse me. And, you know, how should they react to it? How should they take it? Um, you know, what, what? tell me a little bit about what, what happens with them. How do they develop this thick skin and go, well, it's just the internet. I don't care. Or do they take it to heart and they go, yeah. God, this guy wants me to die in a fire. You know, I, with... People, no matter how long you have been creating things, the the negativity still gets through. I mean, I I have four books with a fifth on the way, and there are a lot of positive reviews that I've enjoyed very much. And there are a couple of negative reviews, and sadly, those negative reviews are the ones that have stabbed deep into my brain yeah. again because that negativity bias, the negative stuff, sticks to us because from an evolutionary perspective, we need to have better memory of the negative and we need to have better awareness of it to help us survive or at least you know our primitive ancestors did nowadays we don't generally need that so instead it just makes us stress out when people give us bad reviews for stuff that we've made um but you know no matter how famous you get it's it's tough i think to have skin so thick that things like that are not going to get to you yeah so i don't know i I feel a great swell of sympathy and empathy for people who are famous to that level, having to deal with those those tweets to such a large degree. I remember hearing um, Felicia Day was on The Nerdist, and she was talking about getting those kinds of tweets, and then the instant that she would respond to one, the, the person would flip on a dime and say, oh, I'm, I'm such a big fan, and she's like, you just told me you wanted me to burn to death in an iron <laughs> oh my lung. God. Two tweets ago, and now you're my biggest fan. But, you know, some people are, they just want attention. They're screaming out to this internet full Mm. of other people screaming out, and they're saying, hey, I exist too. Look at me. But they're like the bad kid at the back of the class who's throwing spit wads at the teacher because, you know, his parents ignore him at home. So he wants to get attention somehow. And they know that that negativity bias kind of floats to the top and will sting mm-hmm. to the point where they're going to notice it. Yeah, if mm-hmm. if you send out praise, everybody's like, oh, that's really nice. Thanks so much. And then they're done. Whereas if you say, I hope you die in a fiery grave, everybody goes, whoa, what? Right. Hold on. Right. What? Why did yeah. you? They're like, I, I made heard... a difference because that insult is going to sting oh. them for a while. Yeah. Well, that's that's the bummer, too, is if the negative uh, if, if the negative opinion is the popular opinion and that's sort of, again, what floats to the top of, of the goo, uh, mm-hmm. man, it sucks that that's what also stings the worst. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Alex, this has been a lot of fun. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that, uh, you know, is, is relevant to our, our conversation today? Um. I, we, we've covered quite a bevy of topics. Yeah, I know. This has been I great. I have a small question to go out on, I think, Troy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it amounts to <laughs> – Troy and I have learned the hard way. Um, if you set yourself up a, uh, a spectrum, on the one end, it's – there's absolutely no sense in locking horns and, you know, getting stubborn and yelling back and forth on Twitter. No ground is – common ground is found. No nothing. Uh, took both of us a long time to learn the difference between somebody that was trying to make a point and somebody that just wanted to fight. Uh, but I think at the flip side, even though, you know, when in doubt, turn the other cheek and walk away is po- probably better than, you know, than the alternative. I kind of can't help but feel that <laughs> as a society, in order to move forward, what is needed is to provided the person's not there to, you know, in parlance, to be a troll, provided that person actually has a passionate point that they're trying to communicate, even though they might not be doing it 
calmly or initially rationally or whatever. If, for example, I found in personally, if I can remember to keep my, you know, my cool hat on for a couple of back and forths, it can usually turn into a conversation. And, and some, you know, and it's, it seems to feed all the same things. I, they get a sense that I am actually acknowledging, you know, their passionate fears and, and, and responses and all that. And I get the sense that great. It's not just another person screaming into the void. I'm now having a conversation. The trick is, is what can you give us, if anything, to help kind of, like I said, when in doubt, just don't engage. But I think, you know, there, there must be a small benefit to trying to engage a little bit. Is there a healthy way to engage? Is there stuff to watch for so you know when it's time to just pull out and go away? Um, capitalization and punctuation (laughs) are often, that's often a good sign that it's, it's better to engage, you know. (laughs) Yeah. When things are all caps or no caps, that, that can be a warning sign sometimes. Um, but you know, it, it is a very, it's a very tricky thing to to figure out when someone is being, let's say, critical of something you wrote, and they say, "Hey, I think these are some flaws that could be addressed," or when they are just trying to be hurtful. So it, yeah. it's a it's a constant battle, and and unfortunately, by the time you figure it out, you're usually pretty worked up and hot under the collar, anyways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. One one tactic that I have read that a lot of people will employ is uh, if you're engaging with people who you are, are trolling you online, the best thing to do is to just give them a lowercase LOL. It takes no time. It, it de-escalates a little bit, but it will probably kind of annoy somebody who's trolling you. Just lowercase LOL. <laughs> That's, you know... You're just kind of laughing it off. It's fine. It's okay. Yeah, just shrugging um, it off. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, and, and on the flip side of that, what are the disadvantages then to muting that person then or, or blocking that person? Because then you start seeing just the opinions and the, and the critical thinking <laughs> that you want to see. That That's not good either, right? right. You you need the, and the in, devil's And in theory, advocate. you've created a festering pocket somewhere out of sight that's not being <laughs> dealt with. That's also very yeah. true. Well, that I mean, people people have a tendency to try to do that. They try to ignore information that doesn't go along with what they believe, and they try to seek out information that does go along with what they believe. It's something called confirmation bias. We're constantly see, we're biased to seek out information that confirms what we already think we know. Um, so it is dangerous to go around muting everybody that we disagree with, but that's why we've got to find the people that we can disagree with intelligently and people who are you know, disagreeing for good reasons and are disagreeing nicely yeah. versus the people who are disagreeing out of places of hurt, who just want to hurt others and who are not willing to engage in a conversation about it instead they just want to scream about it <laughs> which we've seen a lot of all of these in the last yes. uh, few weeks and and i'm sure it's only going to get louder the closer we get to the july 15th release date but, yeah uh, probably well so alex thank you so much again for this this has been uh, a lot of fun you mentioned a fifth book uh, can you just let everybody know one more time when that's out and what the name of it is yes uh it is the 100 greatest graphic novels it comes out in October, mid-October, I want to say the 13th, but that may be incorrect. Mid-October. Mid-October. Well, and, um, and where's a good place for people to find you so they can keep up with, with your past and present and future uh, works? I am at Rocket Llama on Twitter, and you can also find me at rocketlama.com. Excellent. All right. Well, Alex, uh, again, thank you. This is a very timely. Uh, I needed this, I think, more than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, thanks I for having me. This, appreciate this was your fun. Comment. This was a really good time. 
Yeah, I look f- forward to writing you and yelling at you for which graphic novels you left out of your book. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I look forward to getting yelled at. <laughs> Thanks again, Alex. All right. Have a good one. Egon, Peter, I have some news from the world of Zelda. Now, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Young Gerald, Jeremiah. Yeah, my whole life I've been written off like a sick kid who's spitting cough. Now what's all changed? I blew up. I'm lifting off. The whole hey, let's get into the news because there's a whole lot of it. Obviously, with Ghostbusters Day, there was a lot of announcements and merch and press and a few things that happened. So we have a lot to talk about. But first, before we do, I need to talk about our Loot Crate contest because a lot of people have been hitting us up, Chris, with some really funny memes. They've been... Uh, a landslide. Just a landslide. We've been like frantically trying to retweet them on the CrossRip uh, Twitter account. So if you haven't been there recently, go check it out. It's it's like our our own little museum of meme art over there with all of the entries that you guys have been doing. But uh, and I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised at how much people actually remember the crap we've said. Oh man, I mean there are a few people that they're they're hitting some deep cuts, and I'm like, oh my god, I forgot about that. I'm I'm glad you remembered that. Um, I'm I'm assuming they just picked a favorite at random and went back and re-listened to it and pulled some stuff out but even then i'm like more power to you because yeah, i don't no. even re- i don't even remember what i said so <laughs> neither do I. I don't even know what i'm saying now but uh so yeah so uh entries uh by this time uh so here's the magic of podcasting um we are recording this as we usually do midweek and the contest ends on friday so a little bit of disclosure we don't know who wins yet so uh, if you want to know who wins, go to the uh, the CrossRip Facebook. We'll also post it up on the CrossRip Twitter. But uh, yes, the yeah. winner will already know. By the time you listen to this, the winner will know. We'll have mentioned it on our social medias, and uh, we'll we'll talk more about our favorites next week. Let's let's do that because there have been a lot of them, and it's going to be a really tough decision uh, <laughs> come Friday when we have to figure out which one we like the most. But I can say thank you to every big thanks to everybody that 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 participated, and even if you don't end up winning because there can be only one but if you end up winning the loot crate uh you won in my heart because i'm going to be recycling some of those for years I, to yeah come. i mean mission accomplished guys <laughs> a lot of these are really i mean even uh dapper dan shoning did a booberry uh no ghost uh-huh. logo which was amazing um so yeah guys thank you so much the uh the response that you had was fantastic uh congratulations to ye who will hold the loot crate but also when you're listening insert to this, name here. yeah, insert um, Mr. Black. <laughs> but if you are not the winner, and again, you know by this point, and uh, thank you so much for playing, but you can still get the loot crate. You just you just have to pay for it. So make sure that you go to lootcrate.com. It's limited, so you have to act fast, guys, because uh, who's to say by this Monday when you're listening to it that, that that many of them will still be in stock? So make sure you don't delay. Get that loot crate because it sounds like it sounds like there's gonna be really cool stuff in there. Really cool stuff. You and I were we read off their. I mean, they can't tell people what's in it because that's the idea. It's supposed to be yeah, a good box. It's supposed to be a surprise, exactly. Uh, but they did give hints because you can't also say it's. You don't know. There'll be something. We won't say what, but they kind of hinted at art and figures and all that sort and of thing. Shirt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when they went live with it, or the day before they went live, when they really started hyping it, the uh, art they put up, like their poster art for advertising the sale of the loot crate, ordering the loot crate, had uh, under contractual obligation some uh, logos, which have obviously included Sony, but. 
QMX. Yep, QMX. And Titan. So if I had to guess, I think I'm just guessing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or if I had to bet, uh, you know, podcast we, bet. We don't know the difference. We yeah. don't know the difference. <laughs> podcast bet. Podcast that, bet. Uh, I th- I'm thinking the the art that they talked about might be that the equipment prints that From QMX, QMX made. Yeah, that's a good point. And then the figure, because they made, was it reference to an Ecto? I don't have it in front of me now. Uh, which it was, was going to make you green with envy. Green with envy. Oh, so. Okay, so then it's it's a, a maybe a Titan Slimer? A Titan Slimer? Yeah, possibly. A special so. Titan Slimer? But, and uh, then, you know, shirt and other stuff, so... Yeah, this this time in a couple of weeks we'll all be opening those crates and we will we will marvel with what's inside. But don't don't miss yeah. out because it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, uh, and uh, we uh, uh, we get loot crate at uh, work, um, which is fun because every month the box comes in. Oh, and, nice! You guys just divvy it up amongst all the employees. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. Or you know, have pit fights when you know two people want the same thing. Uh, the, uh, although the boss called dibs on this month's uh, Thanos's uh, uh, oven mitt, oh the mitt that was recalled. Yeah, was it recalled? Yes, the oven mitt was recalled. Oh my god, you didn't know? I'm glad I'm no. telling you now. The mitt Why? melts. The mitt, you cannot use the oven mitt with the oven because it melts. I joked about that, and he took a picture <laughs> of pulling lasagna. Out. I better warn him. Oh no! Uh, just yeah, I'm glad I'm telling you now because they they. I can't imagine he's going to keep using it. I think he's probably just. Gonna, but I'll, I'll give him a warning yeah. there. But uh, the cool thing about Loot Crate that didn't get mentioned much in this thing is their bo- Well, here's the thing about boxes: uh, if you assemble them one way. You can unassemble them and assemble them inside out, and that's what Loot Crate does. They're, the box, um, it for shipping, uh, uh, folds up and snaps together, and then they like tape it up and slap your address on it and send it off to you. When you pull your stuff out, you can uh, pop it all apart and fold it together uh, the exact opposite. And what they've done is on the inside, they print something to the theme of whatever that month's box is. So oh, I'm excited cool. to see what the Ghostbusters box will be. Yeah, so many things they could do with it. So yeah. yes, loot, lootcrate.com. Again, it's limited. Go check it out. And thanks to them for providing the uh, the free goodies for us to give to you guys as, as part of the contest. Um, but hey, we have to move on because everybody has been talking about it. And by now, it's old news. But hey, Jimmy Kimmel show. Um, I I know how to pronounce Kimmel. Thanks for pointing it out, guys. I was making fun of the fact that I can never <laughs> pronounce names. <sighs> Kimmel. But Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel. Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. Kimmel. <laughs> Kimmel. But so anyway, so I don't. Uh, up in up in Canada, you probably didn't get. Well, you don't have TV, so you probably didn't get both episodes at all. Back right off, Mister. It's got nothing to do with Canada. <laughs> I just don't have cable anymore. You live, you live up in the Yukon territory, right? You don't have any <laughs> signal, and uh, <laughs> it's I live. <laughs> I have a toddler, and uh, let's just say one day we realized we don't watch the cable that we're paying yeah. money for every 100, month, hundred bucks a month or whatever it is. Yeah. So we ditched it, and we're like, just keep the internet and Netflix. And as it is, we're sitting around going, we don't often watch the yeah. Netflix we're spending money. So. Um, and it's it's a bit of a bummer because they, they've been really good about putting clips online of both shows. They had a game night show that aired after the NBA show, and then they had the proper show, um, which aired you know after the news that it usually does. Um, but I think what's being missed is the experience, especially the game night show was a lot. It, it felt 
it felt more robust and more Ghostbusters related. And then when we got to the proper show, I feel like that segment went by like a blur. It felt like two minutes in total. It was kind of ridiculous. Um, but it was way more than that because I know they put that night before I went to bed, I checked late at night and they had posted like six clips at like two to four minutes each. Yeah, lots lots of clips. And we're, we're going to play a few of them here for you guys. But so, so to set it up, what they did in the game night show after they talked about, you know, it was the NBA finals. So they talked about basketball. They had a few basketball jokes in there and then they got to the the new cast they brought out. And so the four leads from the new Ghostbusters came out and Jimmy Kimmel was asking them questions about the secrecy and, uh, and, and a little bit about the backlash, like people being predisposed to hating this movie, um, got really good questions in there. I mean, if, if I have one critique of Jimmy Kimmel, I think I'm spoiled by watching Stephen Colbert now because he's such a good interviewer and Jimmy Kimmel just doesn't really, he doesn't hit with the follow-up questions and he just kind of throws it out there and then they're done. Um, but so let's let's play a few clips from the game night episode, and then what you're not going to see is the the original Ghostbusters come out to surprise them at the end of this clip show. So here's here's the game night episode. Uh, we are coming to you in prime time on this Jimmy Kimmel Live game night, game three. Our guests tonight are banding together for one simple reason, and that reason is busting makes them feel good. What did you do to my uncle's hearse? I fixed it, man. This is so inappropriate for this being. Yeah. Do you feel like Ghostbusters? I mean, was there a moment where you said, was it when you put the uniform on that you said, we are our Ghostbusters? <laughs> we all said it to each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what we did. Wow, Ghostbusters. I was a little crazy. Yeah. For sure, and, and probably the, the first suit. scene where we had like an actual ghost. Even at the camera test. <laughs> There's um. real ghosts in there. <laughs> Driving around in the Ectomobile, yes. is that meaningful in yes. any way? Is that something that is exciting? It it's, was exciting. I, I had to drive it, and I am not a good driver. <laughs> really, really bad. They had to, you know, you have to, like, land it at a certain place, because that's the mark where the camera is. And I thought, I can do this. I am a stunt driver, and I can do this. We were scared. And I overshot the runway by, like, yeah, we were 12 scared. feet every you do, time. You do, so, you do so many things so well. Hard to land. <laughs> that's not sad. A lot of these guys, these who... Terrific fellas. Yeah, who seem to have, I don't know, maybe very empty lives, are upset because they say, oh, well, we can't have female Ghostbusters because only men can fight imaginary ghosts in a make-believe movie. 
<laughs> yeah, baby. But then what, what they don't say when they're typing is that, like, one minute after they type that, their mom's like, get upstairs and take out the garbage. <laughs> you're, you're 45 years old. But I, think you're prob I think you're probably more right than even no. people would believe. Yes. Yeah. Right. yeah. But I will say this. Certainly, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and Ernie Hudson, these guys gave you the ultimate endorsement by being a part of the film. Of and who are. gives a crap about anybody else at that point, yeah. really, right? Yeah. Exactly. I do want to do one thing. Did you become very close as a group? Lie and say yes, even if you didn't? No, no, we, no, we yes, did. Yes, we did. You, you did? can't go through yeah. something like that and not be bonded for life. Leslie, who do you like most? Because I know, like... <laughs> You guys have done a movie together and, and um, SNL connection and everything. Who do you like most in the group? And be honest, please. None of them. None of them. <laughs> I plan on killing them off and just being the only ghost brother. <laughs> no, no, I love them all. Um, I think I might have learned the most from Kristen, though. Oh, OK. Because um, uh, I'm trying to find a man. Oh. Kristen was instructing you? And she taught me this, uh, well, she told me that um, if I sat down and wrote a list, because that's how she got her boyfriend. Well, it's a, yeah, well, it's not how, it's... it's, it's of guys? <laughs> no, I'm saying... Okay, so when I <laughs> was single, someone told me to make a list. Tell me you've heard this. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the people's heads aren't moving either, yes or no. No, no, yeah, there is. People are like, Oprah, Oprah did no, it. Like, you make a list of just, like, who you think the guy is going to be. Not, like, a wish list, but just, like, who do I feel like... Like the you're qualities? Just, like, putting it out in the universe. Yeah, exactly. And what was on your list? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a real list. I carry it around with me all the time. <laughs> it's uh, four pages long. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, maybe, oh, maybe this will work. Which camera do I look at? <laughs> Good kisser. Mm -hmm. Good breath. Nice teeth, not perfect, but white and clean. That's good, that's good. Nice. Nice hair, not perfect, but not balding. Nice butt. Like six guys just got up and they're like, it's genetic! I know each, each thing I hear, I check myself off. I go, oh, yeah, I guess I wouldn't be on this. Good in bed, good, yep, generous no lover, good. freak, but not creepy. <laughs> A nice penis, not too big. <laughs> and circumcised and functioning. Okay. All the time. Oh, all the time. All right. you know, if you don't mind, we're going to take a break if you have more things. I, mean, I think, I, are there any men that fit? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's not a joke. Look, pick, take, just pick one. Every... He got on the pink hat, though. Speaking of the language. He got, he got a pink hat on. It's oh, my God. That's good. Is that a pink hat? Pink is good. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> no. How old are you? Uh, I turned 21 in two months. Uh, <laughs> not circumcised steal either. From you. They steal from you. Yeah, I got he also has a weird penis. I saw it before the show. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. The talk of Ghostbusters is here. We'll be right back.
Really, I wish I could have each one of you here individually and wring every bit of everything out of you. But since you're here as a group, I want to ask some... I could kill you! What? Some, no, no, I don't, I don't want to kill anybody, but I do want to ask some group uh, questions. Oh, and right. Whomever has an answer for any of these questions, uh, sometimes we'll say, who is most likely to, and then you can answer the question. Who is most likely to steal the centerpiece at a wedding? Leslie. Me? <laughs> I don't like flowers. They are deaf. That's her. <laughs> Why would I steal it? Who is like most flowers. likely? Because I do like flowers. Okay. To Google herself. That okay, I'll do that. That would be you. Leslie, maybe the answer to all this. Maybe the answer to all this. Who is questions. most likely to hold up production of the film? Oh damn. <laughs> Who's most likely to forget her lines? Excellent! <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's called the Leslie game all of a sudden. <laughs> Who is most likely to show up at a party uninvited? Ah, uh, well, I guess us. Ghostbusters meet Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, and Annie Potts, the original Busters of Ghosts, and music from Post Malone. They'll all be back later. We'll see you then, later tonight. Okay, so very, very funny stuff in there, and then obviously what you can't see is at the end, original Ghostbusters come out, Ray Parker Jr. is playing with the band, so they're playing the Ghostbusters theme. They're all dancing to the theme, which I'm sure this is the clip now that everybody has seen that's on YouTube, uh, because they play the entire song, and they have a little dance party, and that airs over the credits. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's very interesting to hear their take on it. I mean, it's the same stuff that we've kind of heard them now say about the backlash and, and very good jokes. I did enjoy Leslie Jones talking about trying to find a boyfriend and her list of things that she was looking for. I don't. Did, was that in one of the clips? Did you see that, Chris? Uh, yeah, it was in one of them. I didn't watch it, but I remember one of them was entitled uh, "Talks About Finding a Boyfriend." <laughs> yeah, she's she's got this four-page list of things uh, that that that's what she's reading from in that clip there, and it's you know people in the audience are raising their hands because they feel like they hit the criteria, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> Proton charging may, readers may not have seen it then because I I didn't actually post that one because on the title I went nothing to do with Ghostbusters. <laughs> uh, no, if it, it, yeah. and it really isn't. I mean, it's just more so showing Leslie Jones is is funny, but uh, yeah, it's um it was pretty jam packed, and then they brought out. Oh, again, since I don't watch it, what's his name? Guillermo? Guillermo, yeah, the the security, parking lot security guard that they In always have. In a really yeah. fantastic Stay Puft costume. Like, that yeah. is that is some cosplay quality shit there. Well, that, yeah, so that happened in the proper episode. So, um, oh, so what sorry. they did is, it, it, the way that I interpret this is they shot them both in the same day. 
and then they just had the cast change costumes like uh, everybody's in different clothes but i think they filmed it at the same time but yeah so the proper show what they ended up doing is they they flopped the order the original ghostbusters came out first um and you know they they sort of take a little walk down the past and uh, and Dan Aykroyd reveals a little bit about the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man origins that I had no idea. Um, yeah, that I, was I, that was a new one. I did double check because I'm like, did I know that and I forgot? And uh, <clears throat> no, it turns out it's never come up. Oh um, no, yeah, and you posted a great image to to Proton Charging after you kind of did some digging to to look this up, but he. He talks about the origins of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Of course, he talks about Devikas and Michael Gross and how they developed him to become a sailor. But, uh, but yeah, the the origins in um, marshmallows that uh, Dan Aykroyd had as a kid when he was at camp. So you know that exactly. line from Ray Stans, very uh, apropos. Yeah. Well, credit where credits due. My buddy uh, Torin, uh, he saw it uh, last night. And went to Google and Googled it and that image popped up and I did a little bit more Googling myself and it turned out, yeah, these were like famous, like they, they that was part of their promotion was great for campfires. Um, so yeah, it was, so it was funny that, that he talked about, yeah, this was part of the inspiration along with the Pillsbury Doughboy and the Michelin man. And I'm like, you don't need to cover your ass because I think these, this company's gone and B yeah, Pillsbury and Michelin man, you don't need them. Like this guy covers it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anybody knows about it's the Angelus marshmallow man. Yeah. Um, I don't think he exists anymore. I think you're okay. No, the intellectual property rights are probably long past, but way, uh, way gone. And, and um, interestingly enough, what from that image, what struck me too is those caffeinated Stay Puft marshmallows that got produced uh, yes. a few years back in that square box, in a yeah. square box, just like these. Like we're used to the the round puffy ones. Yeah, uh, and, that come in, in a the, bag. Yeah, a in la, the plastic bag. Yeah, a la the ones in the movie. But uh, marshmallow was quite often made that way. You'd make, you know, fluff it out and cut it, you know, dust it with powdered sugar and cut it up into squares and dust it some more. And, you know what I mean? Like there wasn't this heavy extrusion process. Uh, it was a much more handy. And that's what they did. They packed them in these boxes. Yeah, and packed like, them in, like at a the box candy box. Like, yeah. That's exactly like the ones they made. We were making fun of these guys going, why'd you put it in a box? Why didn't you just put them in a bag? That seemed yeah, weird. Yeah, little did out, we know. They had the yeah. foresight. Yeah. But, well, uh, I still think they lucked out, but uh, well, lucky true. guess. But lucky still. guess, yeah. But so it was, yeah, good, good that he revealed, you know, because usually when they say who came up with the idea for Ghostbusters, who came up with the idea for the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, it's usually the same questions that are answered and with the same answers that we've already heard, but that was a new one to me. But, uh, well here, let's, let's play some clips from the proper show and then we can kind of discuss them a little more. So here's, here's the original Ghostbusters now on the later show that, that aired on Jimmy Kimmel. ago today our first guest joined forces to save the world from human sacrifice mass hysteria dogs and cats living together we owe them nothing short of our lives please welcome the ogbs bill murray dan Aykroyd, ernie Hudson.
Look at that action figure. Let's see if he does what he needs to do. Oh. Ow. Oh, Maybe I'm sideways. Too low, Maybe I guess. sideways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost certain that this is illegal. <laughs> Are you illegal? <laughs> you can't hurt him. You can smack him as hard as you want. It's okay. That's great. Who came up with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man? That well, guy. Ah, uh, well, it was you know I I, I was just looking from from something from my childhood that was that was innocent in the movie and and it was an innocent kind of thing that we used to have the Angelus, a puffed marshmallow man. He was a cop, and in the movie. Uh, when my friend John DeVicus and Michael Gross designed the Stay Puff, you know, in the film, when we brought the script, and then uh, the day that Stay Puff showed up, Billy, you know, did this great line. He looked at him and he, and he said, hey, and he's a sailor. <laughs> and I, it was so funny when John DeVicus came up with the first drawings. I said, marry the Pillsbury Doughboy, the Michelin Tire Man, and the Angelus Marshmallow Man, and put them all together. So he draws them, and then he, I opened this FedEx, and he's a sailor. And then, what, what do you mean he's a sailor? And then Billy, in the movie, just, you know, improvised line, which is one of the classics. So uh, my friend John DeVicus, Michael Gross. It is, it is a classic. As I recall, it was something to the effect of, he's a sailor, he's in New York, we'll get him late. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. what is the line that people bring up most to each of you from Ghostbusters that they, re that they regurgitate most frequently? I think the thing I hear most is what I'm hearing from Annie Potts right now, which is, get this guy off of me. I've got a nice pair of pants on. <laughs> I think you can roll him. I think that's the best way to do it. All right, pass him back. Pass him back. Well worth every one of the $7,500 that cost. <laughs> was it fun shooting the movie on the streets of New York in the city with everybody there before there were cameras and all of that kind of thing? Yeah, stealing was fun. We, uh, when we first went out, you know, I, 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 I said, Ivan, we, we don't permits or anything. No, we don't need them. No, no. Just go, go, go six blocks and walk back. We'll have the camera here. And so we stole shots all over Fifth Avenue when we were in civilian clothes getting the mortgage. And then when we were uh, in the jumpsuits and when we were uh, with the packs, you know. No, he's just talking about stealing shots in the movie. We stole. <laughs> We had these uniforms on with these electronic things and these wands, these guns. We were walking into stores on 57th Street and just saying, well, we're gonna have to look at some of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and just walking out. It was crazy. And you got away with it. And with that car, every person here tonight, at home in this audience watching around the world, our Armed Forces Network, should have a car like that. You never, ever have to stop for a red light. You know? I'm sure you guys know, I'm sure you hear about, do you hear about Ghostbusters every day? I, I would assume you, from people that you, what do you hear about more, designing women or Ghostbusters, Annie? Uh, it's, 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 it's a mix. It's a, yeah, it's a mix. It's, it's kind of equal, but the, the Ghostbusters fans are, 
Like if I'm doing a play in New York, there's always people waiting out there. Some of them are dressed up like Ghostbusters. And... Oh, yeah. yeah. Some of them are, yeah. some of them oh, are yeah. here. And I bet they, some of them have their own cars made up. The family station wagon. Yeah. My friend Peter Mosen, the king of the Ghostbusters fans, has his family Chev Impala set up like an ectomobile. When, my, when I was in high school, my friend Elliot Blute decked, he painted his car white. He put Ecto-1 on his license plate. Oh, yeah. He was a real nerd. He really was. He never got, he got no sex at all. I mean, still to this day. Hey, that's a lesson, young fella. <laughs> You all saw the movie last night? Yes, yes. we saw the yes. movie. We're yes. really, yes. really happy. You're really happy. Oh, man. The, first of all, the, these women uh, performers are great. Are great. Right? I mean, they're all great. Really awesome. By the way, all the guys in the movie are just fine, too, and everybody. There's men and women in the movie. Yeah. The third act is, the manifestation in the third act is outstanding. I was, uh, uh, <laughs> People love this me. movie. And so people are very, very concerned. Even around our office, they're like, oh, is it going to be great? You know, what, what uh, is it going to be? Is it going to somehow elevate my childhood or destroy it? You never know. People have, Ernie, you've seen people with tattoos, Ghostbusters tattoos. Wait a second, wait a second. Yeah. Let's not rush by that. What? There are both men and women in this film. <laughs> and, I'm, and speaking as a man that has dressed as a woman, uh -huh. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> really. These girls did a really good job. And I can call them girls because I am a boy. <laughs> And you get a car! And you get a car! <laughs> uh, you didn't disclose that the vehicle was going to be a hearse. I'm sorry. My uncle owns a funeral home, not an enterprise rent-a-car. Hope you checked to see there wasn't a body in the back. <laughs> uh, I don't really know. You didn't check? I mean, I was in a hurry. I, I checked to see if we had gas. That was more important. So there is body? Let hoes me check. She likes that type of stuff. Yeah, I can think of seven good uses of a cadaver today. No, Dr. Frankenstein. We got to turn in the body if there's one in there. All right. Don't do that. That is Ghostbusters. The ladies and gentlemen of Ghostbusters, new and older here. So. Uh, let's talk about the first time you guys in the cast of the new movie, well, you're all in the cast of the new movie, but saw the original Ghostbusters movie. Where were you? Where, how'd you see it? And mm. what happened? I was in utero. <laughs> and God, I laughed. <laughs> that was good stuff. I'll never forget it. Maybe I should have started with, have you seen the original Ghostbusters movie? We just saw it. You just saw it, man. Uh, I, I was in Plainfield, Illinois. I was 14. I may have seen it repeatedly, like a lot in the theater, like a lot, a lot. And uh, 
I was slightly obsessed with it. Yeah. Well, we were talking about the fact that there have been so many different pitches about a new Ghostbusters movie, and you have been... I saw them all. <laughs> you saw them all. <laughs> and you were re reluctant to be a part of any of them until you heard this idea. And why, why was this idea appealing to you? It was only because I knew these girls were funny. But he can say you're girls because he's a boy. So it's cool, all right? Nobody. He's a man. He's a big boy. <laughs> and you see, it's a, when you see the film, and you'll, you'll delight in the film, it sort of rumbles along. In the beginning, you're going, oh, God, are they going to pull this thing off? And they are. No, believe me. No, I feel like a, I feel like a stepfather to the whole thing, you know? But. They just, there is no quit in these girls. I've worked with Melissa before and a little bit with Chris and a little bit, but this was, this is a tough movie to pull off because it's a big concept. There's a lot on the plate. There's a lot of expectation. And Danny and I and, 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 and Annie and, and Ernie were just screaming, cheering like we were at a sporting event. At the end of it, they just kept... I don't want to pull a Barbara Walters on you, but what does it mean when you hear Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray talking about the four of you like that? I mean, really, seriously. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, that's, a, there's that's a slight mega. feeling of like, when I wake up from my fever dream and this isn't real, I'm gonna be bummed. I'm gonna be so bummed if this isn't real. <laughs> Wouldn't that be horrible? <laughs> it would. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, man. Yeah, well, you know what? You guys are, they're right. You guys are very, very funny, and I think they're they called it Ghostbusters. It features all of tonight's guests. It opens July 15th. Thank you all for being here. We'll be right back with music from Post Malone. Yeah, very, very fun. Just light atmosphere. They they seem to have had such a great time, not just on this movie, but also on that night. That taping just it felt like a celebration. Like if they were, if they were gonna have a rap party, it feels like that should have been the rap party for everybody. Um, but uh, but what I you know what you couldn't see Chris in the clips, and what I actually enjoyed the most was Ray Parker Jr. is sitting in with the band, and of course the band is playing during the commercial breaks. And when they go to like, it's like the second commercial break or the third commercial break, he starts playing the other woman. Uh, and, you know, the familiar Ray Parker Jr., I'm in love with the other woman. Um, and Bill Murray gets up and he starts dancing with Annie Potts. So they cut back during the commercial to like an interstitial to everybody on the commercial break. And the two of them are just like jamming out as Ray Parker Jr. is playing with the band. And just super cool to see this uh, this reunion take place. Um, but and I don't know. So we d I didn't play it because I don't know how to show it. But there was a whole tattoo discussion. Um, did you see that clip? I did. I did see that one. Um, and, and, and it led to a very funny place. They had their wall, like their Cisco video conferencing wall with a bunch of fans yeah. on it. Their wall of America. The wall of America. Yeah. Which included people from the UK. <laughs> it, it did. In fact, the one that they focused on, he was from the UK. But uh, but yeah, and, and the big gag was that, you know, all of these people have tattoos of the cast's face 
space on their arms and their legs and their thigh. And so, uh, you know, Jimmy Kimmel asks Bill Murray if he's got any ink and he goes, yeah, I got something on my forearm. I, I usually don't show anybody. And he rolls up his sleeve and he's got a picture of one of the guys on the wall of America on his arm. And then Annie Potts turns and she's got the same tattoo on her shoulder and, uh, you know, pretty, pretty good moment, but, uh, it's a solid gag. Solid was, gag. That was a solid talk show gag. It was a solid. T- I mean, while they were doing the whole video conferencing wall, and I'm I'm sorry, I don't I don't mean to offend anybody that was on the video conferencing wall, but uh, <laughs> I was like, you have the cast of the original Ghostbusters there. You have the cast of the new Ghostbusters there. Why am I looking at fans' tattoos right now? What is happening? Like, I love I love seeing the awesome elaborate art that's on fans, but no, they, well, I'll tell you what why. What is happening? I'll tell you why. And it worked. It was to get the reaction from the cast. Yeah. Because a lot of people react. It's it's kind of shocking to see yourself indelibly yeah, t- inked on somebody else. And and I was looking at the wall going, they're not good. Like, I was kind of like you. I'm like, they're not going to go through all these people, are they? Yeah. Especially after the first couple where, like, so you give each one of them, like, 15, 20 seconds. It's going to take a while. Right, and sure enough, yeah. they, they kind of cut them out. But And as we find out, they already had a, a plant there to, yeah, not in a bad way. The what I mean is they yeah. had their out, they had their joke out. But if you watch Bill Murray at that start where the guy showed, Bill Murray is just howling to himself. Like it's just the funniest <laughs> thing he's ever seen. Yeah. Well, and he's howling about uh, Guillermo in the Stay Puff suit that you mentioned earlier. You know, Guillermo, <laughs> their parking lot attendant is in this ridiculous giant foam rubber, uh, Stay Puff marshmallow man suit. And, uh, you know, Bill Murray's just having a great time. Again, he's dancing with Annie Potts. He's joking around. Um, we were talking after we recorded the cyclotron, uh, that you're going to hear later this week. Um, I think it was Matt Provencal said, dude, Bill Murray is Harrison Fording out. Like he's finally just embraced <laughs> this, this geek culture that loves this movie and he's actually having a good time with it. And, and it all seemed good, but, uh, don't know about embraced. Bill's still kind of a prickly guy, as well. Yeah, but he's let's put it this way: he's made peace with it. I think is the best way to. Put yeah, it. he's made peace. It's he's, he's a little he's, lighter hearted about it. He's figured out where it kind of sits in the pantheon of of Bill Murray's life. Yeah, um, I put the, a little nod out there, a shout out on on Twitter to Kimmel's groups, saying it'd be really cool if you could kind of you know, let us know who else was up on the wall. Cause let's just, you know, we'll share them here. They never got back to me, but if anybody's listening to this and you, you were on or know of who was on the wall and didn't get, uh, and they didn't get to show their tattoos or mentioned or yeah. not just hell. Actually, at the end of the day, people are going to do it anyways. Just send me your tattoos. We'll, we'll post yeah, for the next few it. days. Let's post some tattoos. Yeah. Why we'll not? Get, we'll get the wall of the world up there. We'll show That's you right. Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. But, uh, before we move on from Kimmel, there were two things that we need to talk about that we can pull out of these interviews and, and from the segments themselves. Number one, the clip that they showed. And number two, Bill Murray talking about them watching the film the night previous. So let's talk about the clip first. Um, we see a very extended clip. Again, this is still abridged because it's um, not to go too much into it, but like EPK companies will cut these clips for talk shows and it's still not the actual version that's in the movie. So what you saw that is still probably not what's in the actual movie, but what's great is it was the clip of them pulling the hearse up and, and Patty, you know, presenting it to the rest of the group. And we get a chance for these jokes to breathe and you get a, uh, you get a sense for the rapid fire way that all of these jokes are just being fired out at each other and the, the tone and the humor. And I think it's, 
much you know tv spots and trailers are one thing you're trying to do it in sound bites but this you finally get a chance to get a sense of the dialogue and the back and forth between these characters and to me i i loved it i loved getting a chance to see this humor have a chance to breathe um did you did you get a chance to was that part of the clips chris were those on any of the youtube mm, links not that i saw oh, bummer. all right well now, it's possible i may have missed it because like i said i did post it last uh Late last night, I had other things yes. on my mind. Yes, I'm well, old. And the Whatever. good news is, people just, have been capturing it. So it's, throw it's up to one there. of my throw to one of my you know usual excuses. But no, I, I missed it. I'm afraid. Oh, um, bummer. Well, but I'm I'm assuming, and we'll touch on this uh, here in a minute too. It's probably fairly similar to some of the extended ecto stuff we saw in uh, some other clips that went. Out yeah, the in in the featurettes that we're going to talk about here yeah. a little bit later, but um, so so let's let's pick apart what Bill Murray said because Jimmy Kimmel flat out asks them, "Did you guys see the movie and what did you think about it?" Um, and and Bill Murray in the clip that you heard during that little package. He specifically calls out, he was like, boy, at first I was sitting there going, I don't know if they're going to pull this off. Like, this is kind of a, this is a huge mountain for them to climb. And then by the end, they're cheering like they're at a rock concert, like they're at a sporting event and they're really into it. And look, I mean, I, I don't want to say, look, look, haters of uh, Bill Murray, who has a pretty good sense of humor, I think I've heard enjoyed this film. Yes, he's there to promote the movie. No, he's not going to say anything bad about it, but this is also Bill Murray. He could have just dismissed that with a joke or he could have kind of brushed it off of his shoulder by saying, I don't think it's very good, you know, and, and everybody laughs thinking that it was a joke, but this yeah, seemed genuine. Bill, this seemed very genuine. Bill Murray doesn't have a tendency to, to, to lie. If he does say something, it's got a kernel of, yeah. of uh, truth behind it. And look at all the times that he was on the Letterman show to promote a movie and he never talked about that movie, you know, for, yeah. for good, for good or bad. However, that movie was interpreted. He never would say, Oh, it's a great movie. We've got a great cast with a great director. Bill Murray never does that. I've never seen him do that since. I mean, maybe Razor's Edge, he probably did that. But yeah. Like, it, it, as a small aside, and this is something that's come up a few times in the last week, um, uh, Tyler, I believe, encapsulated nicely. Shout out to Tyler, who posted uh, a couple times on the Proton Charging Facebook. Uh, there's kind of this urban legend forming that Bill Murray is just as much a puppet as the rest of them because the leak said they were going to sue him. Like it's just turned into this magic of, well, he did that because they were going to sue him. Uh, oh, the, the Sony, the email leaks. Yeah. Oh, and the, yeah, they, but that's not so it, it at all. And no, and this is why I wanted to make this small aside. What people are forgetting is what that was is Bill was being Bill, meaning he owned one-fifth of Ghostbusters. No new Ghostbusters could move ahead without all the principles like coming to the table and talking yeah. it out and he wasn't talking to anybody. Yeah. And what that what what they were talking about was as one fifth owner, the other guy's not responding, we may have to take legal action to just get him to, to Yeah. To, and that's that's what it, it was comes a hostile down to. Takeover. That's how I, I interpreted that email as like, look, this is our intellectual property that we have somebody not yeah. responding to our queries with. Yeah, it, what it amounted to is a, a deal was structured in 89. Many years have passed. Uh, we can, you know, and did attempt to talk to them according to that uh, agreement, which was Bill, we want to do this, read this script, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, he just does his thing where he just never gets back to you sort of thing. And they've 
uh, within their legal rights went, well, then fine. We're going to have to move it. We're either going to have to force you along or force you out of the way. And like I said, as you move along, you're, you're in that world. I'm in that not the same world, but a similar world where it's this, you can't blur business and personal sort of thing. And that's yeah. not what yeah. everybody's like. It's, you know, it's personal and they're forcing them to say whatever. No, it was just literally a legal thing of bill just stand up or get the hell out of the way. Yeah. And that's, that's um, one way to get somebody to take attention is like, here's, here's papers yeah. you've been served. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Like, and, and even then, like I said, you and I know that it's shades of gray. So they, if they had actually gone down that road, it would have turned into two lawyers talking to one another going, oh, Jesus, fine. I'll go find Bill. Right. Like, yeah. It's just, and, and we know that it never got to that point. <laughs> it never either, even got so, to that point. Right. Like, like yeah. for all we know behind the scenes, that's as far as it got. Some lawyers talked to one another and somebody dug Bill up and off they went. You can't then turn it into this stamp of nothing Bill says counts for anything because they sue, they threatened yeah. to sue. I was like, oh God. Like I, I, I would, okay, listeners and Chris and myself, I, I want us all to make a pact right now. And uh, you don't have to, don't put your hand up if you don't want to adhere to this pact, but it doesn't require bloodletting. Doesn't require bloodletting. But guys, um, the Sony leaked emails, let's all raise our hand and say, I solemnly swear to never bring up the Sony leaked emails again because here's the thing with emails. They're taken out of context. We're interpreting them in weird ways. Hollywood, I have written so many like terribly awful emails just to get stuff to happen. It, It that's what it is. That's what Hollywood is. And I'm really sorry. Every movie goes through that. And you just, you just never, you never know about that. Cause you never see how the sausage is made. So uh, the Sony emails that was so many years ago, things changed so quickly in Hollywood. I know people were saying that Ivan Reitman wasn't treated well. That wasn't the case either. They were just asking if he had been at a dinner and people interpreted <laughs> yes. that as we're leaving him out of this. And you can't, like, you can't then flip it to, and now he's saying positive things cause they're paying him to, it's no. just, well, and that's actually, that's a good, that's a good lead in here because uh, Reitman was out doing the press circuit on Ghostbusters Day as well. He was on the K-Rock show with Kevin and Bean. That's the morning show here in Los Angeles. He was on Good Day LA, which was Wait, the morning show. Wait, that's a show real morning and, show? Kevin and the Bean? Kevin and Bean, yeah. That's, I thought that was a joke morning No, <laughs> yeah, K-Rock is, that's their morning zoo. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, so. so anyway, Albert and the Frog. Albert like, I just thought fro- it was one of those. <laughs> it really is. Like they they really do fall into that trope, but uh, but yeah. So so Reitman was everywhere, and again, it was a morning radio show on K Rock, and I I barely listen to the morning shows because they are they're just that it is. They've got like the horn honking and they're making the jokes and all of that kind of stuff. But they flat it's out cold asked every morning. <laughs> it's cold outside. Um, but anyway, so they, they flat out ask Ivan Reitman some very pressing questions. I was very impressed by what Kevin and Bean did. So yes, pointed, pointed questions, pointed questions. So to, to the point, no pun intended of what we were talking about earlier, where Reitman was saying nice things about this movie because he's now a producer on it and he's contractually obligated not to, um, you know, besmirch the movie that he's working on. No, actually here, listen to what he had to say on Kevin and Bean about Ghostbusters three, this movie, the trailer, a whole bunch of stuff here. Here he is. It certainly has been a a beloved comedy for the last uh, 32 years. What are your memories of Ghostbusters two? Um, we waited too long uh, Mm -hmm. to make it. I think we were all unsure of exactly what to do. I wish I knew, uh, then what I know today, but, um, you know, I think we were... How would it be different if you knew then what you know today? Um, I, would have, I would have told kind of a different kind of story. 
I think that I, I decided to go very human. And the, uh, when I look at it right now, I'm really proud of the movie. It, it came out up against the first Batman, the Tim Burton Batman. Okay, not ideal. And, and it was, that was a mistake. You know, the whole zeitgeist of the country shifted to something much blacker. And yeah. here comes this a very optimistic, funny movie. And, you know, people sort of crapped all over it. And then in retrospect now, after years, people are seeing it for what it is. And, you know, the work between Sigourney and Bill are some of the best that they've both done together. And there's some really cool stuff. And Janusz, the villain, I think, is, so is an extraordinarily... Peter McNichol, such a good actor. He's so Such good. a great actor, yeah. yeah. So in the 90s and 2000s, there are various incarnations of Ghostbusters. There An animated series happens and some other things. But how long ago did you guys start talking about, hey, now it's time to give it an, another big screen treatment? I think four or five years ago, Harold, Danny, and I... Because uh, we basically controlled Ghostbusters with Bill, the four of us. Mm-hmm. It was a goofy deal to do, to do that sequel where we were left strangely in control, even though Columbia technically owned the property. And, uh, and it couldn't be made without all of us agreeing unanimously, which made it impossible. Yeah, because, difficult. you know, we had this sort of wild genius, Bill Murray, who didn't really want to do anything, particularly not another Ghostbusters at this moment um, in his career. So... Uh, but we started talking about it about four years ago. I was going to direct it, and we worked on a couple of scripts, uh, one of which, you know, the studio immediately greenlit, loved it, and it was the, it was the um, Passing the Torch movie that everyone says this should be, the new Paul Feig movie should be. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, you know, Bill wouldn't even read the script for about a year. Really? I don't think he ever really read the script. He may have read the first... 20 pages in which he dies and uh, hey, literally spoiler he alert. <laughs> it was a really good script <laughs> anyway um, and then unfortunately um, you know Harold got really sick and then passed away about two years ago and I what a terrible terrible loss that it, was terrible loss and it was for the world terrible personal loss yeah of course and professional loss and I I decided that moment I said you know I'm this is going to be too tough. I can't do it without Harold. I certainly can't do it. I can't push this big rock up the mountain and get Bill in somehow Especially involved. with Bill on the top pushing <laughs> her back down. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, we decided. And about that time, we went out and started listening to other people, other directors with ideas. And uh, Paul Feig really came up with an intriguing idea, which was, you know, let's just tell the story all over again. Mm-hmm. Uh which I wasn't sure if I agreed with. That was sort of the greatest point of contention. But I loved, I loved his idea of making the Ghostbusters women, and and focusing it that way. And it felt very fresh. I think most of the male actors were too frightened to really step into Bill's and Danny's and Harold's and well, Ernie's. and rightfully so. And rightfully uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> footsteps. So where this was a great opportunity for the funniest women, and that's. That's really what this new movie is. Let's talk about that just for a second, because as soon as it was announced that it was going to be all women, I thought, oh, no gimmick. That was my first reaction. And then I saw the trailer, the first trailer, and it was less than impressive. Having said that, I love Kristen Wiig, and I love Melissa McCarthy, and all of the people in it I love. And then you start seeing the second and the third, and it looks like it's much more funny, and it's great. What about all of the backlash that is happening on the new Ghostbusters movie? Well, it's very hard to sometimes to, to make a trailer that pop, properly represents 
a movie. I like imagine Ghostbusters. That's impossible. Part of the problem is not oh this line's funny or that line's not funny. It's it's there's people have invested so much of their youth, <laughs> right, in, in certain movies. One of which um, is Ghostbusters. You know, and it and it became this beloved movie in much the way the Wizard of Oz. And I don't mean to make those kinds of comparisons, but in terms of what's happened culturally with that with Ghostbusters, there was this sort of sense of protectiveness amongst at least part of the audience. And and it's very hard to get the weight of of that film that's in our head out and explained in two and a half minutes or one and a half minutes. Right. And I think that was part of the problem with that very first trailer. You had to be shocked and surprised by the crazy overreaction to it. Well, we had like literally 80 million, that's a real number, people see the film in its first uh, weekend and uh, online. And, you know, 95% of the, 95, 96% of the response was very positive. But there was this really vehement 4 or 5% that wanted to kill us for making the film. <laughs> Which is what the internet does. Um, unfortunately, and fortunately, because the word does get out quickly both ways. Uh, all I can say is, I knew we were in good shape when we screened two days ago, finally, the movie for Bill, toughest audience wow. in the world, and and Dan Aykroyd and Annie Potts and Ernie Hudson and um, they stood up and applauded. They just laughed through the whole thing and just they were on Kimmel. Uh, they're on tonight, actually. Um, yes, it airs tonight. The, the, uh, talking the, the, about because they just literally had just seen it and were, they were totally knocked out. Thank God. <laughs> well, I think that uh, forget any talk of male or female. You have some of the funniest people in the world in yeah, your movie right now. That's that's the the short version of the story here is Leslie Jones kills it. Kate McKinnon is great. Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy. I mean, it's an unbelievable cast. Thank you. I, and, and I totally agree with you. And what gave me confidence going into it was I, I remember who Bill Murray was when we started making this film and who Dan Aykroyd was and who Ernie Hudson and Harold. You know, the two of them had not really been in much. Bill had been in a couple of really funny movies, thank God. And, um, and Danny had been in one or two as well, which is very equivalent to where these four women are in their lives today. Right. And, and you know, I'm really, I'm very proud of this new movie, and I think they, they do a spectacular job. You fall in love with them, and they have their own particular characters that are as indelible as the four guys were in, in the 1984 movie. Well, I can't wait. You can see the Same. new cast and the old cast along with Ivan tonight on the Jimmy Kimmel Live Show on ABC. And the film opens up everywhere on July 15th. We are very much excited and looking forward to that. Ivan, it's such an honor to meet you, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. I hope that we can do this uh, again. You're, you're welcome anytime on The Kevin Meacher. Thanks so much for coming I'd love in. to be here. By the way, the yes. movie Ghostbusters, 1984 Ghostbusters is out. I think in theaters today. And oh, no on kidding. Sunday, yeah, I think all over the country in honor of Ghostbusters Day. I think we're going to be showing the, uh, the studio in about 700 theaters everywhere. Yeah, 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. each day on That's today fantastic. and Sunday, June Cool. <laughs> That's very cool. Thank you for coming in. We really do appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thank you. So, yeah, so he's he's reiterating things that we kind of... That we have all talked about as well. That the that the articulate fans have all been saying, like, look, I'm not crazy about it being a reboot. I'm not crazy about it retelling the story of the first movie. But the the fact that they're all women, that's that's great. That's fine. I was really behind that. I was just concerned. This isn't something new. You know, this is not 
this is not covering new territory. And now he's saying, but now look what Paul and Katie have done. Look at the cast they brought in. It went in a different direction. And he's very proud of what they've come up with. And and then he calls out because they had taped the Kimmel show the night before this. He says, look, Bill Murray and those guys went in and they watched the movie. And he he talks about how it filled him with, with uh, confidence now that, you know, I was a little bit worried, but then when these comedy legends who were in the original film and responsible for this all, when they saw it and they enjoyed it, I knew I'm okay. I'm totally fine. Every, every, any reservations that I had are completely erased. Yeah. What's interesting is that what he outlines is that at the start of this process, he was, of a very similar mind of a lot of people that had concerns about this movie. Things like, uh, you know, don't want to reboot it. Oh, it's not tied to the original. Uh, you know, oh, it's gimmicky or whatever. The thing is, and this is where he splits off, he's Ivan Reitman, so he's seen the process from behind the curtain the entire way and has come to the conclusion, eh, my fears were uh, uh, were just that, fears. Yeah. Compared to everybody else that just sort of ran down a rabbit hole of, oh my God, it's going to be, oh wow. It's like, <laughs> trust the guy who's been watching the entire process. If he stands up and says, hey, you know what? I had the same fears and they're gone now. At least put 50% into them or something, right? Like yeah, just yeah. Put a little weight on them. And and again, we could all see the movie uh, in in a little less than a month. Oh my God! Um, and and <laughs> we may we may all not feel the same way, but that's that's just what movies are. And even as a filmmaker, I mean, what Reitman the subtext of what he's saying there is, as a filmmaker, anybody they create this in a void, and then they start showing it to people, and you sit there and you bite your fingernails, not knowing what what they're going to react to, and if they're going to react positively. And so you know, when he sees comedians that he respects and he knows have it's bill murray like bill murray could have sat there and been completely still he could have not he wouldn't have laughed he wouldn't have gotten up and cheered you know he he wasn't on camera i'm sure so he had no reason to feel obligated to do anything but if he's enjoying himself then that's that's a pretty good sign so um so let's let's keep talking about uh uh, the ghostbusters 2016 train and then we'll come back on the rundown I, i wanted to talk about the fathom events here but I, I, let's let's keep moving with the character featurettes. Let's talk Ghostbusters Day in terms of the marketing blitz that happened, um, because what what Sony did is they created much like they did with the Kevin um, featurette. They did a vignette on each character for Abby, Patty, Holtzman, and Gilbert, and then they even did one on the Ecto. Because let's face it, the Ectomobile is a character itself as well. Um, but lots and lots of good footage in there, things that we hadn't seen, new jokes, um, especially the Holtzman one. I feel like. You know, because Holtzman, they've been very reserved. I feel like they're saving her because maybe all the good stuff is in there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and we got a really good, like, she's bonkers, which we already kind of knew. She's a little bizarre. She kind of throws these things out there. We get a little bit of Michael K. Williams in there. Fantastic. Um, yeah, these these were pretty great. But, Chris, I, I point this question to you are we done? Like after these featurettes and after there was a German trailer and a Japanese trailer that had a few more shots in them. And then at the fathom event screening, they had the long featurette that had a few other shots in it. I think I'm going dark. I think I'm not going to watch anything past this point. (laughs) Yeah. With a month to go. Well, I mean, I'm kind of hoping that they've got enough of a pool now. We're just going to see, you know, the, 
the the PR remix from this point on. It'll be yeah. everything we've seen already, just kind of mixed and matched around as needed. Yeah, just taking um, all of this sh- as as the approved shots to uh, get out there. Exactly, because but... remember, uh, the television blitz hasn't started here. I'm not sure why it started so early in the UK, but it hasn't quite started here yet, has it? I don't think. Yeah, I mean, in I mean, at least down here in the US, uh, it's not quite on national TV all the time. Although it was on like Saturday Night Live. That's and true. On, on basic cable, yeah. but you know, we haven't really. Like I'm, I'm not watching the the nightly news and an ad comes up quite yet. I mean, I think yeah. we're, we're still a little early for that. But I think we might be. Like for example, the the uh, uh, ba 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 ba. What am I talking about here? Uh, is it Holtzman? Which Holtzman? one's Holtzman? The Holtzman, Holtzman vignette. No, you're not talking the about the featurettes. Yeah, I'm talking about the featurettes. Uh, Ed Begley Jr. We got oh, like, yes, he shows, up in, he shows up in Aaron Gilbert's because they talk Aaron about Gilbert's her friend. being uh, reserved about the book and thinking that she had burned all the copies of it. And it's, yeah, it's like you say, it's like, well, that's kind of about it. Like, really, all they've got left is to show us, uh, and they haven't, uh, to their credit, Rowan. Um, we haven't yeah. seen uh, Neil Casey, um, and we uh, Charles Dance. We don't know what his. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, well, Char- yeah, Charles Dance shows up in Charles the Dance. in the Fathom Events featurette, and that was oh. one that I was like, oh no, oh. I mean, not not oh no in a bad way that like that's what they're doing <laughs> with him, but like I kind of didn't want to know what Charles Dance was going to do yeah. until I was sitting in the theater. So that's why I'm saying I think I'm going to go dark from this point forward because yeah, I mean the next item on our rundown is talking about the soundtrack and the the score track list is out. So we already know the order of events now in the movie. If you look at this, which I haven't, no, we don't, we don't. Yeah, was, I don't. No, nor did, and, I, nor did I post it because that fell squarely into my spoiler category. Yeah, um, and that's that's one where I, I because I know people had been waiting for it. I said, "Look, I'm about to post something. I don't know if there's spoilers in there. I'm not going to look, so somebody's gonna have to tell me if it's really bad or egregious." Um, and then I, I I posted it up and. You know, somebody wrote back to me and said, you know, it's not egregious, but yes, you know, if you've seen the trailers, you already know certain scenes and certain things and it sort of adheres to that. But, but again, we're at the point where, look, there's, there's a score album with a track listing out. There's all of these featurettes, there's TV spots, there's, there's trailers. Um, And if, if you guys listen to the Yes Have Some podcast, which you should, I know that they were talking about that calm before seeing Star Wars, The Force Awakens. And and unfortunately, Chris, you and I, we're not going to have a luxury for a calm before the storm because we do a podcast. Yeah. But, uh, but I also feel like I, I need to forewarn you guys. We're, I'm probably not going to watch anything else past us, but I'm going to save it somewhere so that I can. I did the same thing with Star Wars. I saved all of the featurettes and all of the trailers and all of the stuff that came out leading up to the movie so that I could watch it later. But I don't think I'm going to watch anymore. So we're going to report on it for you guys. We'll say, hey, this dropped, but we're not going to be able to talk about it. <laughs> if anything, and this might be a blessing in disguise, uh, the news reporting will get a little a little bit shorter. <laughs> it will. It will. Yeah. You, you won't have to endure us talking about stuff anymore. Which is but. good because as the rate it's going, we were going to be pushing three-hour podcasts just to get the news out. Oof, um, yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's with cultivating and being selective about what we're talking about too. So, yeah, I think if nothing else, it's going to amount to when it comes to featurettes and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you're right. I think maybe it's just time to, you know, 
look the other way sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, time, um, to, time to cover our eyes like Kevin um, and and <laughs> pretend like it doesn't exist. But And, and it, it kills hey, me Troy, because I love behind-the-scenes stuff, you know? Troy, are you going to post the news? Can't. It's in the fish tank. Can't. It's in the fish tank. See, and these are references that we should not be making because we, we haven't seen the movie yet. <laughs> but I think I have just come up with the theme for the next month. If anybody asks us about something, we're like, can't. It's can't. In the it's fish in the tank. fish tank. Hey, did you guys see the soundtrack listing? Can't. It's in the can't, fish tank. It's in the fish yeah. tank. But hey, let's. We, there are things about the soundtrack we can talk about um, because we did not talk about them last week because we didn't know at that point. But um, L King single just cracked the top 100 the last time I looked, and it's still slowly rising. That's that song's growing on me. It's yeah. I mean, you you were you were okay with it if I remember right. You were kind of on the fence, right? Nope. No, it's just no. growing on you. It was solid, but it's growing. It continues to grow. Like it's stuff. The you know, first time you listen to it, and you could be like, "That's great," and then yeah. you listen to it a couple more times, and you're like, "Nah, I could probably put that aside for a while." Uh, as it happens, I think I mentioned uh, my traditionally produced clone is uh, a big fan of El King. So every morning on. Uh, driving to daycare and all that there's a lot of play ghostbusters song and we listen to it and yeah <laughs> well, that's awesome see that's so every morning's a rock out and it, i haven't gotten tired of it yet he hasn't oh, so that's i mean and and again this is your little one's ghostbusters let's be honest so if he's already asking for the ghostbusters song that yeah. reminds me of me and that's fantastic it's, well it's interesting it's gonna blow past him because i think what he'll be is one of those kids that it'll be the cart, the animated cartoon or something, right, is where right. he'll land. He he knows what it is, um, and he's known all along because, of course, it's, you kind of you know can't avoid it. Well, in yeah, Daddy's house, and he knows who Stay Puff is because he has one of the old Kenner ones because you know those are easy to find and it's in his toy box and he loves it and um, and he knows the name and he you know now knows the song and he's digging that. Uh, I got him a proton pack and he likes it, but he's not putting two and two together. So yeah. this movie is not going to mean much to him other than the song, but I think whatever this animated one is, is going to, by the time they get it out, it's going to hit him smack in the well, yeah. I mean, five now, to six year old, right? I was so, going to say, now that I'm thinking about it, Thomas is two, right? Three and a half. Three and a half. Good okay, guess so, though. <laughs> well, so when, when I, when I. Okay, two year olds. Two-year-olds generally can't sit in the backseat of the car going, play the Ghostbusters play the song, Ghostbusters. Daddy. There's, right. there's a little, they're kind of inarticulate at that point. All right. still. Well, again, don't have kids yet. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm, playing, I'm playing oblivious to that. There but, uh, will be a quiz. Make notes. Yeah. Um, but okay, so he's three. So that so when the original Ghostbusters came out, I was the same age. And it sounds like he's sort of in a similar boat as I was that Because cartoon, you came in, Yeah. You know, I was I was born in eighty one. The movie came out in eighty four. I was a little young for it still, but then the cartoon started. I caught a couple episodes. I had the toys. Like it, it seems Three, like it's that same sort yeah. of. So you were five when the cartoon dropped. Yeah, and it yeah. ran for whatever it is, three or four years plus repeat, I think, or, Yeah. Um. So um, I, it yeah. seems. Yeah. I mean, it's there's there's a little bit of a little bit of a parallel there to me and, and Thomas. But yeah. But the soundtrack uh, to bring it all back around. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to get a uh, well, probably a lot of play. Just Boy, daddy. I mean, probably listen. And, uh, and and all of the artists that are on there. I mean, uh, I think you had mentioned with Five Seconds of Summer the response that that fan base just like the the cacophony of responses <laughs> that you got on Twitter. Um, and, and same thing with like, <laughs> like fallout boy. And I think it's going to be a huge soundtrack. Um, yeah. Well, we got to hear a bit more. Yes. And in, in these featurettes, uh, that we were talking about, we get a little bit of the fallout boy song leading up to the fallout boy song. There's another cover of ghostbusters in there as well. I'm wondering if that's like a 
third cover of the theme third cover and then whatever they're using for the promotional and then there's that one so that's yeah four but but and then uh, ray parker jr keeps showing up so you know maybe he'll at least get the original will get some yeah, nod in the safe. movie. I, I mean, the original song has to some way somehow be in there, obviously. But um, but yeah, so the Fallout <laughs> actually, Boy. Actually, all that's left is Sony needs to surprise us by saying, uh, we've licensed every good cover that's come along in the last 20 years <laughs> and put it on one album. Yeah, so here's, here you, here you here's are. 35 it's the one tracks album. and it's yeah, nothing exactly. but Ghostbusters. Yeah. So for, how much do you like this song? Go! <laughs> and here's, yeah, here's three hours of it. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so uh, I... I, I thought really I was really proud of myself, Chris. I was able to isolate out of the feature at the Fallout Boy song, and then I leveled it out and I I did a little music editor editorial and I sent it your way and you called me a nerd, and then lo and behold, <laughs> some love. dude, well you know, but but some dude on YouTube was able to do the same thing and it sounded a lot better. And I was gonna come on the podcast and be like, here's what we put together in the sound lab, and this guy's sounds a lot better. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna play that guy's. <laughs> Um, but here's here's a little taste of the fallout boy featuring missy elliott theme you don't hear missy elliott in this but you did hear her in the clip that was on the jimmy kimmel show and it's a, a cool sort of like rap riff at the end but um here's here's that little that little taste Okay, so it's it's. I mean, it's definitely Fallout Boy. It's it Fallout Boy. Sounds like Fallout Boy, um, and it definitely sounds like Ghostbusters, quite obviously. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it, it's it's interesting because it's got all the elements just kind of turned on their head, um, yeah. and and a little extreme Ghostbustersy too with the way that they kind of do the guitar riff in there. Yeah, I. I I like it. I don't hate it. Let's put it that way. I'm, I'd like to hear the whole thing, and I want to hear some more Missy Elliott and all that. Um, boy, people, you really got to learn what the word subjective means. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the music, people have musical tastes. I don't know if you know this, but some people Oof. like country music. Some people don't. It happens. No, the number of times I've heard, this is awful and horrible. And uh, Yeah, okay, you don't like Fall Out Boy, but Fall Out Boy tours, so obviously they have fans, meaning somebody likes it. Like just, somebody out there likes Fall Out Boy. And what I, <laughs> if what, the number of people who have said, it's much like the movie, uh, it's not what it should be. What should it be? More like Ray Parker Jr.'s. Well, we have Ray Parker Jr.'s. <laughs> How close do they, are they supposed to make it to Ray Parker Jr.'s? <laughs> and, uh, and if they get too close, can we not just say we're listening to the same thing over again? Like, why yeah. can't we just try something new? Well, and and uh, shout out to Neil Vitel, who I, I just love to kind of poke at on the Ghost Core Facebook page. But uh, Neil, who used to host the Ghostbusters HQ website, he's he's very opinionated when it comes to the new movie. And he called out... Um, God, what's with all these artists? Why can't they be normal people like Paul Revere and the Raiders and the Beach Boys? And I, I was like, 
that that in itself shows you how subjective music is because yeah uh, people love oldies people love classic rock people love acdc people love led zeppelin people love um edm people love house music people like it's it's all subjective people have different musical tastes and just because you don't share whatever this happens to be that's okay look there are songs on both ghostbuster soundtracks that i'm not a big fan of i yeah. don't listen to air supplies i can no. wait forever on a loop okay but, now don't get don't get us wrong it's stuck in our heads it is but it for is. all the wrong reasons and, you know, I, I understand why that guy, when he's wheeling that piece of equipment out, why he's, like, bobbing his head, because it's just such a catchy, bubbly pop tune. Um, no, it's not. It's <laughs> air your... supply. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, this is what kills me, because people are like, oh, it's it's all very cynical and, you know, put in popular bands that, you know, will get buzz and all that sort of thing, as opposed to what? Air Supply in 1984, yeah, where they um, cynically crammed it into the movie. Because as you pointed out, he's bobbing his head to nothing. To nothing. They, said, they just needed you're some going source to be, music. You're going to be listening to something, so please bob your head. But it will never match. Yeah. So he's bopping along to something catchy, and it's a ballad. It's just... And it's so whatever just, the soundtrack producer wanted to put in there, uh, basically. It's just... Yeah. Just relax. Well, and um, and the uh, the one that I see quite often now is I can't believe they put a boy band or a poppy band in this thing. Well, you guys know that New Edition was a boy band, right? And Bobby yeah. Brown was considered pop, right? And yeah, for Elton for the, John was on the <laughs> Ghostbusters two soundtrack I for mean, the exact same reasons. Every track we put on this, it would be really nice if it hit some demographic somehow. Right, right. And that's exactly what's happening here, and it's working because uh, between five. Followed Boy and Five Seconds of Summer. Holy crap, Five Seconds of Summer. Yeah. Sony could not have gotten more free buzz out of as much as they did out of Five Seconds of Summer. Like, and, and all of the, I mean, a lot of them, it was sort of like maybe 13 to 20 year old girls, maybe a little bit younger than that. But all of the people that said, oh, I'm sold on this movie now just because five seconds of summer is doing a song. <laughs> like that's, yeah, that's what, that's what it does. That's what the it's soundtrack so does. So easy. It's so, so easy. So yeah, definitely. Whatevs. Looking, yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of the album and it's, it's good to be getting these little glimpses and tastes of it. But, uh, yeah, uh, full track listing is still apparently coming soon. I'm sure we're going to hear some of those tracks very soon. Uh, let's see what else is on the rundown here. We, Oh, L magazine. Um, Women of Comedy are on the cover. It's all four of the leads. Uh, yeah. Wow, man. Those, those, they're pretty great. Although I did make a crack when I posted them. It's, kind of, it's, it's like, no, these are not for my wife. These are for me. Thank you very much. Yeah. I. So here's, here's the problem. Here's the dilemma that I face, Chris, because... I have a little bit of a crush on crush on Kristen Wiig. I'll admit that. Um, th- there is like the most she amazing. Showed her belly button. It's like she yeah, pinup quality. Be- so so here's the thing. Okay, now, let's just let's just stop. They all look fantastic. They in all these do. Photos. They're all. I mean, they're all. Let's let's face it. All four of them are very attractive people. Um, here's because it's L magazine, and I'm almost wondering if this is still sort of it's almost addressing the double standard that still exists or, or not, not a double standard and not inequality, but I would not be posting a picture of Chris Hemsworth on the cover of GQ. Like I'm posting, you know? And so I kind of hesitated posting the, these particular pictures because I'm like, wow, damn, they look really good. 
but I don't post Chris Hemsworth, you know? So it's, it's, there's that little bit of a double standard there too, that look, everybody can be beautiful. Everybody can be on the cover of a magazine. Why am I more excited about the, the ladies on the cover? Because I'm attracted to them. They're very attractive people. So it's a bit of a gray one. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stare down that, that rabbit hole too much because at the end of the day, it can go either way too. Cause one of the things that women comedian comedians have to, uh, you have to be a little funny looking to be a woman. You know what I mean? Like you can't be a beautiful woman. You and can't funny. be attractive. You can't, yeah. you can't be attractive and do physics. You know, <laughs> the Winnie, Winnie Cooper paradox. You can't, yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and and the the covers are just and to be honest with this group it's just across the board because let's well let's be honest here uh Kristen Wiig is about as uh you know um uh, how do i put this air quoted air quotes normative do you know what i mean like with all it, the the way society uh uh, uh perceives their uh, she's as close to the 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 swimsuit yeah, the, model the you know what i mean hair, like, brown eyed brown yeah. hair brown eyes yeah. uh, uh which is great cuz then Melissa McCarthy who you know god how much did they everybody stare at her for the last 2 years and you know her weight loss and all that sort of thing yeah. while at the same time she's trying to put together a fashion line of i can make clothes um yeah, and, we and all, Leslie Jones looks fantastic too. I mean, that's the other, like these yeah, are. Yeah, I was, not, I was like, leaving that for last. Suit. Like, oh, I just want, yeah. like, I just wanted to, like, to, like across the. It, these four are like this amazing uh, 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 cross section of everything that people need to pay more attention to, not just uh, funny women. Um, so, um, uh, uh, McKinnon, Kate McKinnon, obviously, uh, sexy lady on the cover of a ladies' magazine. Uh, who, hey, digs ladies, you know. Uh, yeah, and then at yeah. the end of it, I I don't know. I haven't done a survey, but I think Leslie Jones got the sexiest cover. To be honest, I think. So. I mean, and that's the thing is, these are not. They're not. Um, they're not like swimsuit uh, covers. You know, it's it's not. They're. they're I mean, it's very cl- like super fashionista covers, very which fashionista. are very cool. But the, um, the other three, like I said, the other three kind of reserved in comparison to, they gave Les, Leslie Jones like, um, uh, boy, I, I'm an 80s kid here. How do I put this? There, there's some serious uh, Bridget Nielsen action going on there, right? Like, <laughs> Yes, that's very true. Yeah. Just let's just, <laughs> I don't know who, what, I, like I said, I didn't hear that clip. Did she have like guys who like tall women? Like, was that part of her? Yep, her, that's part of it. There yeah, you that go. Was a different part. Because, yeah. and like I said, they, 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 that was, that, that cover photo was amazing. Yeah. They're all amazing. And then later on, they kind of dropped uh, some of the, because they each get an interview. With they the interior some, images, yeah. Some of the interior images, like, so they had serious photo shoots with them. So, I, boy. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm, I've, I've, don't think I've ever said I'm really looking forward to reading this L magazine to be completely honest with you, but because it, it sounds like what they did is they had other comedians interviewing them as well. So in the excerpt that they posted, Will Farrell is interviewing Kristen Wiig and asking her questions. And of yeah. course it's, it's not the usual journalism questions. It's, you know, uh, like <laughs> what trait of yours do you hate the most? And like ridiculous things like that. So they, they can be self-deprecating and, and stuff. So, well, and what I like too, is it's not like, hi, we're a fashion magazine most of the time. And now we're going to try and ask you questions about what it's like to be right. funny. Yeah. They actually threw funny people at them who knew the, like, uh, Farrell's was about whether she was nervous. Cause she started as a writer on SNL. 
uh, Kristen Wiig. And yeah. then, uh, well, and writer she talks about Fee- her first sketch, right? Her first sketch. Yeah. And they, and she talked about, she's like, no, the first one was fine because, um, somebody else wrote it. Like she just, so it kind of hopped in and supported them. She had no problem. But the second one was one that she wrote and that was a little, and she was terrified. Oogie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to these. Uh, I will be buying all four. Maybe That's five. One five. will be my. I'll have my uh, Leslie Your Jones read doubles. Copy. Yeah. My, my read copy, Leslie Jones. <laughs> um, so yeah, so L Magazine that comes out uh, at a big beginning of July, if I remember correctly. That's their July issue. Yeah, um, last, that last two week push. Yeah, right, right before the film comes out. Um, also, speaking of the film coming out, Sony and Regal Cinemas are having a contest for fan artists to win a trip to Los Angeles for the premiere of the film. But the Curiously, what? Because. I thought the premiere was in New York, so I think the premiere is in LA now. I don't maybe there's two premieres, but I think what they're saying is that the premiere is in LA now. But so fan artists, uh if you want to post your Ghostbusters related fan art, uh go to we're going to post the the link in the it's a weird link, it's an IMAX link. So we'll we'll put it in the show notes, but um create your fan art, put it up there, you can win a trip to uh Los Angeles to go to the premiere. Um, what else? Let's talk merch, Chris. You want to rapid fire through merch because there's a lot of that merch, stuff too. Merch, merch, merch. Yes. Uh, let's start with the big stuff. Lego Dimensions. Uh, this is a new one. Just just dropped as we're recording this, but there's going to be a Ghostbusters 2016 story set coming out for Lego Dimensions. There's going to be a lot of story sets. What it amounts to is Lego has said it's year two, and I think the catchphrase was, "You're going to need a bigger." What was it called? Because it was in the video too, and now I can't remember. You're going to need a bigger imagination or something like that? Oh, yeah, that's, that's funny. what it was. Yeah, but You're they're, they're expanding the game even further here. Yeah, and you and I talked about this when we first heard about it, and I was talking a little bit, um, you know, industry nerd talk, that it felt like they were, rather than building full standalones for all these properties they had, they were going to try and steer it back into this thing as a platform. Lego Dimensions would serve as a platform for whatever license they wanted, big or yeah. small. And it worked out pretty well for the first year, and now they've just gone around the band. Yeah, so they've, invent- they've invented this thing called the Story Pack, which and is... Go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, for, for those who are not familiar, because there's the Fun Pack, there's the... Like, what 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 is the difference of the Story Pack fun, between fun all packs, of these other packs? Fun Packs is characters. Um, they have a Level Pack, which has, I think, an additional figure thing. And uh, content. Basically, you can jump into a little level world and run around and play in it. Uh, and then this one, the story pack is, I don't know if it's specific to Ghostbusters. I don't know if the number is specific, but the Ghostbusters one has six levels. Uh, and as it turns out, all of them related to the um, the new movie. The new movie. So basically... So rather than a full standalone Ghostbusters game, they've created this not inconsiderable, I don't know, what, eight to ten hour gameplay? I can't can't even swear to that. I'm just kind of guesstimating here of playing through six levels of the new movie. Yeah. Um, You get the new Ecto. You get uh, Abby Yates. Uh, the other three will be featured in there. Like you'll probably run around and interact with them, but they're not a swap in and out character like mm. Abby Yates will be. Um, and then the part of this, the new step forward is they're like going to sell these sets will come with um, a portal plate sets. It's, it looks like a little play set, right? I think 
to yeah. me, that's the biggest difference, at least looking at it in the photos, is that it comes with this like facade or uh, like a playset, like a, a thing for the characters to be in, right? Yeah, you build. Well, everybody's familiar with the game. You, they gave you the portal, the the techno-y portal thing, and you build it onto the plate that reads the little discs. Uh, now these story packs are going to come out with ones that match the theme of it. And the one they gave mm. Ghostbusters is the uh, the zoo's uh, Chinese restaurant that they set up their headquarters in initially. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, well, and here, <laughs> uh, I don't know about your circles, but my circles fell over backwards over the trailer. Like, uh, the trailer was really amazing. Uh, I, I still haven't seen the trailer, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. it's so good. They uh-huh. open with the new team. Uh, I'm not going to describe the whole thing to you or spoil it, but they, 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 it rolls out nicely. It opens with the new Ghostbusters team and from there just keeps rolling with all these new characters they have. And, uh, and with voices are, are the, 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 the actors voices featured or is that not revealed quite yet? Um, not quite revealed. I'm assuming that my, my guess is that it'll be similar to what they did for the Ghostbusters, original Ghostbusters level pack, which is since they're going to be telling the movie story, they will pull lines, dialogue uh, dialogue out of the movie movie and uh, apply it that way. Um, although they probably have easy access to, so maybe Melissa McCarthy, you know, did a few additionals for because you can play her character so as opposed to the bill murray one where they had to pull some out that right kind of fit uh the the more generic situations that you might find yourself in uh, I, I, we'll see yeah I, i'm just kind of over the moon thrilled that you know um more ghostbusters yeah and, um, and in the lego universe too because in the um, lego universe throw slimer in there you know grab scooby-doo yeah um, when release date? Did they announce a release date yet or no? September 27th. Ooh, hey, 49.99. So oh my God, we US. don't have to wait that long. And no. it's after my birthday. If anybody is looking for gift ideas, just throwing that out there. I know. And before people start complaining, uh, price point, just about spot on. Because, uh, of course, Lego Dimensions on its own was $100 plus. Right. Uh, Buying yourself a standalone Lego game when it comes out, you're looking, you know, pushing 80 bucks, 60 to 80 bucks. Yeah, and it uh, sounds like this is a pretty robust, I mean, they're not going to call it a story pack if it's one level or, No, you know, it's got yeah. some pretty good content, which is great, and a Lego set. It's, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's for- the value. For, that's a pretty good value, at forty nine ninety nine. So I'm, oh boy, you and I need to actually play more of this game. Yes, I I still don't have it. Don't hurt me. Hey, but let's move on. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, speaking of video games, uh, Ghostbusters Uno sounds like it's coming to the mobile app. Uh, there was a little bit of announcement on Ghostbusters Day for that. So That's right. uh, check that out on the horizon. Uh, the Ghostbusters Steelbooks, the Blu-ray Steelbooks that were a Canadian exclusive, looks like they're also coming to France and Germany. So France, those Germany, are... and UK. Oh, and the UK. Oh, HM, fantastic. HMV is going to have it in the UK. France has it through... Ugh, I forget the name of the, the online place, but uh, Germany as well. Uh, yeah. Um, and I, I didn't dig very, very deep because uh, uh, when all this was happening, I was kind of like... Amazon.co.uk, Amazon.de, Amazon.fr. <laughs> and I was kind of like, it's Amazon.e. Uh, 
E S. I don't care. I'm just assuming it's everywhere else, and <laughs> the United States isn't getting it. So it's screw just not them. coming to the U S. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but uh, U S. did get the um, the 4K uh, UHDs. Those are out now. Um, they don't have the cool steel books. Um, I got a couple. And I, as did I. Had I. A couple. And did you have a look at yours? I did. I did, and they look fantastic. I put I put a full review up on the HQ. I won't uh, I won't get into like video and audio quality and stuff on the podcast. But <laughs> but bottom line, the video looks amazing. The sound is even better. Um, and yeah, I, I wasn't aware of that. You and I didn't really talk about that because I don't think it was well publicized at the time. But it got a brand new uh, Atmos. Yeah, which brand I, new Dolby Atmos mix. Ooh, and, and I mean, uh, it's it's still. I mean, again, uh, temper your expectations. This is not Deadpool. It's still it's the original Ghostbusters film from 1984. So it's it's not like this big bombastic thing that's gonna you know be a reference thing for your uh, your home theater system. But it's still pretty damn good. It's still it, really good. It sounds like this might be it. Short of getting yourself a 35 millimeter print, this might be the the best sharpest look that we have and, home video wise. I mean, so we didn't talk about it, but I did, I went to the fathom event, uh, on ghostbusters day. And, um, I, I mean, to be completely honest, it was a bit of a letdown just in the, t- because I was expecting, you know, maybe a Q and a, maybe a little bit of bonus content. They did do these intros from, uh, Reitman and from Feig, and then they showed a, a, a featurette, but, the reason that it was a big letdown to me is because fathom events, I think what they do is they like satellite stream the movies to all of the theaters. So what they showed up on the screen was this like ultra compressed and it almost felt like it was the older, um, the older master that they did for 2012. It was the the one that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think, having seen the UHD, it really spoiled it for me because the UHD looked unbelievable, man. The detail was in there and everything was razor sharp. And then this version that I'm seeing projected, you know, onto the three, three million foot tall screen in front of me was like degraded and out of focus. And, um, so, you know, to me, it was, that was the disappointing thing that, uh, I was kind of stuck on, but at the same time, it was a good respite from, you know, the, the, the huge amount of news, everything that we've been talking to you about. It was great to just go sit in a theater. I got a can of Ecto Cooler because it was a Cinemark theater and they had it in the cooler. And I was like, yes, really amazing. They, yep, That's just cool. Ecto Cooler just sitting at the concession stand. And uh, so, you know, that, that was, it was a lot of fun. But so, yeah, at any rate, the UHDs, man, this is the way to do it. And the bummer is a lot of you out there don't have the UHD Blu-ray players yet. No, but hopefully, no, 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 no. no. Nobody has them. Yeah, nobody has them. Well, I, we well, we do because we have it at our office. But um, well, lucky, lucky you. <laughs> I had to do a little bit more hunting. I had to like borrow a setup. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, when you uh, contact the high end home audio video places, and the guy apologizes because while he has what amounts to the Elon Musk home video version of the. <laughs> digital hard drive 4Ks that cinemas use. Yep. He yeah. has that, but he doesn't have the UHD. Doesn't uh, have the, the UHD 4K, player. The player one. I'm kind of like, ooh, boy, they yeah. can't be. <laughs> I think it's three guys. Like, I think my theory holds that these things are a prestige item, but um, yeah, but it's, somebody it's pointed out Japan, as usual, kind of more likely they've got 
uh, access to it there. Yeah. So who knows? In and three years, it could be the standard. I feel like, you know, once once the consoles, especially like if there's a new version of the Xbox or the new version of, of PlayStation that comes out, they will probably be able to read those, those 4K UHDs. So you might future-proof yourself if you don't have a Blu-ray yet. Pick this one up and then you're ready for you know, down the line when you've got that new, that new hotness. But, uh, so yeah, so UHDs out steelbooks coming out, um, Alamo draft house announced that they're doing their usual pint glasses for their screenings. You can pre-order your tickets now and you get this cool little pint glass that has the, the new Ectomobile on it with the new Ghostbusters logo. God, I wish I live next to an Alamo draft house. They do such cool. They did a back to the future one. That was amazing. They're doing this one, which is amazing. Every movie that comes out, they do these great pint glasses and I don't have any of them. (laughs) Ah, I, I, and I love ghostbusters glassware. So this, uh, I'm going to have to hit I was going to say, we're going to have to find somebody to go grab one by proxy or, uh, but so yeah, Alamo draft house, go pre-order those so that you ensure that you get one of those pint glasses. Um, iTunes, those of you who have the digital copy of Ghostbusters, you might've noticed they added the filmmakers commentary to your digital copy. I still don't know where that one that Dan Aykroyd said he recorded like five years ago went. Maybe that's coming on a big box set down the line. Maybe. Uh, also the restoring the Ecto features on there as well. And there was, yeah, the restoring the Ectomobile, which was on the original Blu-ray, but was not on the iTunes. It's, I don't know why it's never the same, but uh, it's exclusive. And they updated the cover to the the blue goo the, the new blue, blue one yeah so um so check that out itunes people um let's see what else ecto cooler watch uh it sounds like everybody is slowly starting to find some ecto cooler as i mentioned i, I picked up a can at cinemark uh, other people are nothing are, here nothing in canada unfortunately nothing but we're we're gonna remedy that we're gonna get you guys ecto cooler don't worry we're gonna do like a, a drop we're gonna do like an aerial thing where we just drop crates of ecto cooler to people no coming um, down for the trade show wearing only the clothes on my back and an empty suitcase and it's coming back full well uh yes it is i didn't want to spoil the surprise but yes it is but anyway so <laughs> uh so yeah so ecto cooler rolling out we have heard from some of the brick and mortar stores that they're not going to be carrying it until halloween so uh, keep keep that in mind. I think it's they're considering it a seasonal item for some reason. So I know what? that yeah, it must be yeah. that Slimer that's not on the cover. That's not on the cover. No idea. But so yeah, my my local Ralph said, oh, we're gonna order it, but we're not gonna order it till October. So there's that. Have they informed Coke? Yeah, I'm wondering by not. August if Coke goes. Wow, this fell flat. Uh, yeah, Jeez, nobody large. bought it when the movie came out, but sure, whatever. Uh, I mean, maybe that reinforces what we've kind of known is, especially places like Walmart, they're going to be doing a huge push for Ghostbusters through Halloween in October. But uh, you know, uh, it's a bummer that they don't carry it right now. Uh, anyway, so so there's that Ecto Cooler. Keep keep an eye on Amazon. I've still been seeing it pop up uh, in stock here in LA. So if you can't get the cans and you're not uh, checking Amazon, just keep doing that religiously. Uh, Factory Entertainment, those lithographs uh, with the new photos, these are great. Um, yes. There's there's a new one of Holtzman that's just, oh, fantastic. It's her sitting with all of the gear on the table. Um, new, new photos. It's a limited edition set of lithographs that will be their San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. More saxophone, um, Kevin. More saxophone, Kevin. Uh, a couple of good shots of of the gang uh, at the the Beast of Mayhem concert. Um, so you know, a, a good set that you can frame or you know keep keep in uh, safe storage. Uh, there's those. 
boy, what else? Oh, Papa John's. Uh, this just happened. Uh, late breaking news. Papa John's has announced their team up with the new movie. We kind of knew that was coming because we've seen Papa John's pizza boxes all over the place and in Times Square and that image. And uh, so at any rate, they're going to have a limited time product. They haven't announced what that's going to be quite yet. And then they're also going to have a limited pizza box that they're going to be sending out the pizzas in. Uh, we're going to find out more about that on June 27th. They're going to have some TV ads that will announce it. So uh, get ready for that. I hope that turns out to be uh, a universal thing because we have Papa John's in Canada. I so. would think so. I would think that that will carry yeah. over. I mean, but then again, yes, you guys got the cool like the Happy Ecto-Cooler. Meals. The what? Well, I was going to say you got the cool Happy Meals at McDonald's with all the bike toys where I got a pencil and an eraser. And, That's because um, we were good little boys and girls that year. Okay, let's just move on. <sighs> yep, and we're just really dumb. So it makes sense. We should have kept studying, and we didn't. But I didn't say that. I don't know why you went there. I'd like to go on record. <laughs> I said nothing about your smarts. You know what? Us Americans, we we know it. We're I think deep down we all know that we're just not smart. But uh, yeah, so um, you know, Papa John's something cool coming from them. Um, and then uh, I think that's everything for merch. Yeah, that is everything. Yeah. God, how did... All right, we did it. We did it. Yay! <laughs> let's move on. Let's uh, let's do a little fan corkboard before we wrap things up, Chris. Are you cool with that? Yeah, I'm cool with that. All right, because we, we got some, uh, some really heartwarming news from the Alberta Ghostbusters here. Um, I'm going to read this message from Jordan with Alberta. So he says, Hey, Troy, it's Jordan here with the Alberta Ghostbusters. As some of you may know, about a month ago, there was a huge fire up in Fort McMurray, Alberta, Canada, which displaced 80,000 people over the past month. 10% of the town was destroyed due to the fire, and it has displaced thousands of families. Man, that's rough. Our group has been trying to get some help by contacting other groups to see if they would do local donations, but mainly we're just trying to get awareness and see if we would be inclined to put their Fort McMurray fire page on the site or mention it on the show, and that's what we're doing for you guys right here. So if you go to redcross.ca slash gb um what they're doing is they're amassing um donations and uh, monetary and toys and they're trying to put stuff together for the the fort mcmurray people so uh very very cool they went to a local shelter and they they did a drop off of a bunch of toys and it sounds like um sony has been involved uh shout out to eric and ghost court sounds like they're donating toys to the families um and so uh you know, if, if you please, please, please just go to redcross.ca slash GB, um, Jordan and the Alberta Ghostbusters and all of those families, I'm sure would really, really appreciate if you guys, you know, throw them anything you can, send them wrap toys, send them money, whatever you can do to help them out. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Ghostbusters. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our call-in line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702 GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page and Twitter accounts. Friends is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for the Ghostbusters. Interdimensional Crossroads. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray.
Hey, Chris, remember when I said I think the news is only going to be about 30 minutes? Yeah, I lied. Yeah. I lied. Well. Sorry, buddy. That's right. But hey, it's uh, it's getting late, and I hear both of our stomachs rumbling. <laughs> so uh, do you do you have any final thoughts uh, before we call it an evening here? Uh, two, I guess. Two. All right. Yeah, hit us with two. Well, congrats to uh, Tom Gebhardt. Um, uh, if you're not familiar with the name, he's uh, kind of the focal fan for the upcoming Ghost Heads documentary. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, I wasn't aware of this, but uh, he was due to become a father, and it turned out, uh, guess who arrived on Ghostbusters Day? Oh, you have to be kidding me. That is no. amazing. Wow. Mazel tov. That's yeah. uh, it, And what are, the, what are the odds of that what, timing? What are the odds? Well, well, I don't know. I didn't want to pry. Maybe, maybe they booked cesarean for that day i don't know <laughs> don't spoil the magic troy and, but, and uh, were they filming the documentary at that point because i feel like that's an important plot point to ghost heads if your kid is born on ghostbusters day right i think you can do that with stills just before going yeah. to the credit roll i think throw, throw um, that in the credits yeah big few days for him though because uh he was heavily involved with the bbq films uh screening on yes, which ghostbusters i hear day. which i hear has been going over unbelievably well so congratulations yeah. to the barbecue films guys it sounds like they really put on a show i've seen some really cool pictures and well done um, there yeah uh, people, people like just throwing praise at that experience so hopefully maybe they'll extend it or uh travel it around uh also uh dan was wearing ghostbusters new jersey pin on the kimmel show yeah that's right now I, then, he, he shouts out to peter mosen is he one of the the new jersey guys or was that no, Mosin is, uh, I don't know, a free agent, uh, but oh, okay. he's also featured in the Ghost Heads yeah. uh, documentary. Uh, well, Mosin, as we all know, and Dan kind of go all the way back to the first movie. Right, right. So, right. I, I, wonder, we, I wondered if he was wearing the, the New Jersey pin because of that, but uh, no, that's, that's awesome for the no, GB well, New Jersey I, I, guys. I think Tom met him or something and gave it to him or something. But anyways, he was, yeah, he was wearing that. Uh, and then, yeah, off he went to meet his daughter. So we'd like to welcome uh, Dana Lewis Gebhardt. I, I can't remember her name. <laughs> she doesn't have a Ghostbuster name. Dana Lewis uh, Gebhardt. That's <laughs> it. That would be great. Gozer Zul Gebhardt. Um, and no, then, yeah, congratulations, guys. Congratulations. Full congratulations. That's, uh, yeah, you're, you have no spare time now. Congrats. Um, <laughs> then uh, the second thing was, is, and, this kind of ties back to you and I talking about going dark and all that. I've over the last little while, I've kind of become a Ghostbusters life coach. I wasn't planning on it, but um, and what it amounts to is I mentioned it in passing before, but now I'm advocating it to people. I need everybody to sit down. This is free. I should probably bill for it. If I was in LA, I'd be billing people for this, Troy. Yes. Yes. Um, sit down and think about the worst movie you've ever seen. Like. And then really just think about it. And if you're feeling really brave, watch it again and internalize it. And you're now new movie proof. No matter what your fears are, you will at least be coming out of that theater having watched a fun popcorn movie. Yeah. Because as you and I both know... set your control. Exactly. You and I both know that fun popcorn movies, not always great movies. Or sometimes forgettable. They're fun while you're there and then you never think about them again. So worst case scenario, the movie... It turns out to just be average, or maybe even a little under average, and you'll have fun. Ta-da! Yeah. yeah. We'll, you know, it, it'll, it will not hurt a bit. I suspect, though, that it's actually going to bat in a little higher than that, and yeah. 
So yeah, good good words, Coach. Well well done. You're welcome. The bill's in the mail. <laughs> I'll send you an invoice. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Well, uh, before we go, I just want to shout out uh, thanks again to Alex Langley for joining us uh, on the Ghostbusters psychology segment of, of the show. That and, was a uh, very fun interview. Very fun interview. I'm still thinking about it to this day. Speaking of, of people that we need to have on our retainer and have yeah. life coach us, I feel like Alex is one of those people. Oh, so, Alex, uh, I've been go- inspired. I was about to say I'm stealing his thunder, but I'm going to say I was inspired by him. <laughs> uh, go. <laughs> Go, go be inspired by Alex yourself. Make sure to check out his website, read his books. Thanks again for him uh, joining us on this podcast. Also, just want to send a shout out because uh, there has been some news to uh, Mr. Dan Aykroyd and uh, Mr. Ivan Reitman. Uh, one had to cancel his uh, appearance at the LA Film Festival at the last moment, but he uh, he's okay. He's doing all right. Uh, just, you know, uh, got a little sick. No big deal, but uh, wish him well. And then Dan Aykroyd, who... If tabloids are to believe, had a little bit of a scare, but we all saw him on the Kimmel show and he looked okay. So, uh, you know, just uh, sending out well wishes to those guys, no matter if the ailment was big or small. Uh, you know, keep keep healthy, guys. We love you. And, uh, yeah, thanks again, Alex. Keep well, everybody. And we will see you all next week on the other side. Who you gonna call? Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional CrossRip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. They used to be one of my two favorite shows. You're kidding me. Oh, great. What was the other one? Bassmaster. Everything you're doing is bad. I want you to know this. Next week, though, Hairless Pets. Weird. I got a question. If you guys know so much about women, how come you're here at like a gas and sip on a Saturday night completely alone drinking beers, no women anywhere?